Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Counter-Strike fans across the globe, welcome back to another episode of HLTV Confirmed. This time we're doing episode 18, powered by ExtraFi. If you want to feel extra fly, get yourself some ExtraFi. I made that up. I hope they pay me more for that. That was a pretty fucking good tagline. Anyway, on tonight's show, while we're covering off last week's standouts in terms of the Counter-Strike news, we're going to be talking Flashpoint Season 2 playoffs, Winters just started... Uh, we'll be talking about the Blast Showdown, the teams who made it, the teams who didn't. But in the hot seat tonight, we have Graham Pitt, a.k.a. Messioso, the North's head of eSport operation. We'll be getting him to him very, very soon. But we've got to do our introductions. We've got to introduce the gang. Uh, Lucas, what's the status report on today's fires in the production room? Like, what are we What are we predicting? Uh, it's a bit hot in here, but I think I can keep it uh, under control to, yeah, about two hours. Okay, uh, about two hours. So that's perfect. That's all we need. So uh, Striker is not feeling so well right now. He's meant to be with us. Maybe he'll join us halfway through the show. Uh, so I have a question for him, but I'll ask it to you, Prof, and then you get another question. So you get two questions. To oh, amazing. Today. Yeah. So Let's I was going to ask Striker if he could be any animal, what would it be and why? So I'm asking you now. Uh, probably a kangaroo, because his favorite instrument is a didgeridoo. And kangaroo and didgeridoo that it rhymes so i guess that that would be he'd probably like be a king like a didgeridoo playing kangaroo that that's what i see okay um, i can visualize that for sure all right very interesting uh very topical very yeah australia kangaroos didgeridoo is great all right uh here's the question i was going to ask you and i like to tailor because you're a bit of an alpha male i think so I like to tell a lot of questions to you about relationships and relationship advice. So okay, I've got here one go. here. I'm going to give you three options, right? And the, you need to pick which one of these options is the most valuable for somebody to take into a relationship and why. Okay. Option number one, have realistic expectations about relationships and romance. Option two, treat them mean, keep them keen. Option three, be candid about your feelings, the good and the bad. Oh, Probably the first one. Probably being realistic. I think. have realistic expectations I about think, relationships and romance. I think that's even though the second one is probably also probably would yield some results. I'm not sure. Like it's kind of like hot and cold with that one. You never know what you're gonna get. But like realistic expectations, that's always gonna help. That's like hundred percent gonna help. I feel like. Well, that was sensible. I thought you were gonna go with option two. But anyway, let's stop messing around. Let's get into the show. Lucas, roll the bumper and let's introduce our guest. All right, well, we're back, and uh, tonight's guest is none other than Graham Pitt, a.k.a. Messio. So I just said it before, it's North's head of eSport operations. A little bit of a different guest here tonight for you guys. So uh, before we get stuck in, um, I have to give Graham a bit of a congratulations. Uh, he's just had a baby girl. It's been about a month, right? So how's the sleep, Graham? I'm uh, sure yeah. you're not getting much. Four weeks uh, Four weeks tonight, I think, yeah. One wow. a.m. tonight, she'll be, she'll be four weeks old. Uh, yeah, sleep was interesting the first few weeks but uh it's it's leveling out a lot now and uh i mean yeah she still has to be fed quite regularly during the night so there's a bit of waking up but uh yeah it's it's fine really you know I okay it's just uh you know I, it's not it's not exactly uh uncommon for what you have when you have a child i think she's pretty normal uh, i think she's actually quite good compared to many children so uh yeah completely Things fine. Are going super right happy then. yeah All super right. happy she's uh she's a little angel um Great. Well, that's great news. Now, I, I think one of the things here which uh, can help contextualize this for all the viewers at home is uh, I've known you for a very long time. 
Uh, yeah. uh, and, and I think that's quite quite the, the contrasting point is is now we've been doing this long enough that I've known you in your time with ESL. You were there with Godsent for a short stint. You were over at Blast and, and you've been at North now for, for just over a year. And now you've had a kid. So lives have changed a lot over these, uh, these last <laughs> couple of years. Yeah. But where we want to start this one off is for people who probably aren't too familiar with you. Can you give a, like a quick synopsis of, of who, who is Messioso? Like what? What's the resume look like? You know, wh- how did you get involved, etc. Sure. So uh, yeah, I started off back in like what two thousand and five, six, with just running online tournaments for the game I played at the time, which was Call of Duty two or four, Call of Duty four maybe. Um, and then I actually ran the uh, the UK and EU side of the CGS. So you'll rem- you won't remember yep. that because you were obviously in the Aussie one. But uh, yeah, I ran the EU and UK uh qualifiers and online stuff for the cgs uh made a good bit of money out of them before they decided to yeah off themselves <laughs> um yeah it's not it's not a surprise as to how they went under uh with the salaries they paid even a lowly person like me i can't imagine what they paid uh some of the <laughs> some of the other people um i think scott valencia stole a million dollars as well but that probably, uh, yeah. i don't have proof so <laughs> everybody knows? take that with it with a grain of salt i think cgs is so old now that most people actually don't even remember it yeah um yeah then i yeah volunteer ran lots of stuff uh counter-strike call of duty fifa all kinds of stuff uh for clan base and then uh then i found esl and sort of worked there as a volunteer i guess volunteer admin for for the uk side specifically uh didn't do much work on the sort of eu side but worked up uh, through the uk side uh while i finished my university degree and then um and then I needed a full-time job, and uh, ESL didn't have one at the time, so I, I worked uh, at a company called Multiplay, um, and they run the UK's biggest gaming festival. So I ran their tournaments for nine months or something. Uh, did two big, large events with them. I'd already been volunteering with them for running their Call of Duty tournaments before. You know, free ticket, free place to sleep, no payment, just five days of hard work it was uh those were the days back in the early 2000s um and then and then esl finally came knocking and said we have a spot in our legal operations department uh so i yeah handed in my notice like a day later uh flew over to cologne actually i drove over to cologne with my dad thank you dad um with all my shit all my shit with no uh no apartment no nothing um yeah, that was uh, that was that was an interesting experience. But uh, got got an apartment, lived there for three and a half years. Uh, started off working on StarCraft mainly. They just had the uh, the StarCraft Two World Championship Series, and then uh, yeah, then I moved into every and any game they had. Dota, Hearthstone at one point, um, and then obviously Counter Strike, uh, which was kind of the the one I really wanted to take over. Um, so yeah, I think from 2014 I started working the Counter Strike events we had. And then from sort of 15, 16 onwards, I ran pretty much every Counter-Strike event we had. I think I missed one. I think I missed the offline qualifier for Cologne 16 because I just got back from China uh, for a StarCraft event. And uh, yeah, I was just completely wrecked. So, But you um, were there for the group stage draw of that event, so Cologne 2016. Ah, must have been must have been 2015 then. Yeah, yeah, you're right. The, you're right. The, no, I mean the group of death that that's your yeah. That, that was sixteen. Yeah, that was yeah. sixteen. So I, I missed a, I missed the twenty fifteen one. The one with had the the main event had the weird like reseeding halfway through uh, shit. The one yeah, with I, uh, Titan versus Renegades. Yeah. Oh, that, that one. one was it? That yeah, one. I think yeah. that was the one. 
okay yeah i was at that one <laughs> um yeah and then in late 2016 i was uh yeah i was approached by what became refresh uh the company behind uh, astralis heroic and godsend and at that time actually norse as well and they said that they were looking to uh to build out a tournament series of their own so uh i think people know that story we uh, I, I moved over and uh, we built blast or what has now become blast um so yeah, so I spent three years, three years almost to the day. Actually, I think, I think I actually did resign on the day. I think I, I think I was three years exactly. Um, and then yeah, last year I was looking for for a new opportunity. Um, at that point, the the Blast company and the Astralis group had split to resolve the final sort of conflict or interest that that uh, group had after selling off Heroic and then uh, obviously Godsend as well. Um, and yeah, I saw an opportunity with North, and uh, it looked like a sort of a nice step up, a nice place to kind of take control of a of the whole the whole sort of shebang, rather than just uh, sort of working in the background. And uh, yeah, I took it, and uh, I've been here for just over a year now. Okay, so I I'll just jump in a sec, Prof. I'm gonna fast forward us, take us back a little bit. This was okay. like this time last year that you we were talking about this, that you were making this move over, um, yeah. and and you would come in and replace wimp just for everybody yes. who's, who's playing at home just for the context there graham came into to this project uh and wimp was on the way out and you're on the way in um yes. what were you going to jump in with prof no i want to say if i remember correctly like when you when you stepped down from refresh you made a tweet like i'll take some well-deserved time off and then like one week <laughs> later like, uh, it was, it was uh, a day, sports at north they got a new job I'm like, yeah okay. i I, I actually worked um, I actually worked the blast Copenhagen event uh, as a freelancer because it it dipped into November and I'd already ah. my, my I resigned on the like my last day was the 31st of October and the blast Copenhagen event was the Friday Saturday which was the first and second so I basically had Sunday off and then I started work Monday morning at nine o'clock so uh, yeah I had a, I had a whole 24 hours to to really get some rest and relaxation in before uh, starting again so and and now you're uh, basically Danish, right? Ah, oh, soon. I mean, um, Brexit. Oh, you're going for the re for, to be a citizen? Absolutely. Okay. All right. I'm not going to uh, be stuck with these bloody British people. Like, all right. All right. Okay, mate. You throw me under the bus there as well. well I got the passport. I'm pretending yeah, uh, I'm yeah. out here. Yeah. Uh, okay. So so soon to be a Dane. Now. No, uh, no, not not soon to be Dane. I need to I need to drastically uh, step up my my danish uh, okay. learning um but that's that's actually pretty much the only uh, the only obstacle i have now like it's just uh, i've been here long enough almost yeah uh, so by the time i actually learn danish i will have been here long enough and i should be able to actually just apply like i meet every other criteria like it's almost a formality well, i think uh, the fact uh, you have a kid and you're married to one kind of helps as well right uh i'm not actually sure it actually counts for anything oh really <laughs> no shockingly not um the good news is it, after fi after five years after five years of being here, I can apply for uh, permanent residency, which means okay. that I can I can be absent from the country for like five years or something, and and still come back and retain all my rights. All right. uh, Den Denmark has been super awesome with the Brits, and we basically just get to keep all of the rights we had before as an EU citizen. As long as you as long as you get here before the end of this year and you're properly registered, you could keep all your EU rights within Denmark at least. All right, so, well, that's good news for yeah. any people who missed that boat. Unlucky to you, but let's uh, <laughs> let's focus in here on uh, the the move now from Blast to becoming North's head of esports. So, 
Um, what's what's the overlap looking like was it like you were just saying it was you announced that you were resigning and then pretty much they came to you or did you have this in the pipelines before like what what was the the overlap there no no so i uh i resigned at the end of september and the way danish law works is you have to work the end of the current month and the next month so i i resigned um yeah like a a week after i saw the ad i i i think i i'm not sure if i applied or if i got asked to apply but i i i sent and i sent the cv over at least uh i had a had an interview and then i had another interview with the sort of the rest of the organization and then yeah we wrapped it up within less than a week and i was i was here it, it sounds all very proper though from what and i know that sounds silly but we're like in esports right you had to send your cv over you had proper interviews you did, you did all that like i think that speaks uh a lot about the organization you were joining what were your like expectations when um going for the for the north position or hearing about the north position or north as an organization before this all happened uh i mean that's that's really tough right because i mean i i make a lot of jokes these days you know when 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 the people in the in the organization talk about some of like the the past you know and like how you know some things have been quite rough and i think well, actually I, I spent three years of that on the other side. You know, I I was on the Astralis and heroic side of things for so long that when they when they sort of talk about all their uh, you know all the things that went wrong or like things that could have been, I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, I looked in from the inside and I thought that was quite funny, you know. So now I have to kind of uh, you know now I'm kind of how do you say uh, dealing with the repercussions of sort of you know all those years of hurt, let's say. Um, but you know, I, I saw it as a as a project that was it looked promising you know like i mean let's not just think of just purely counter strike but as the as the organization as a whole you know we have two huge owners in 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 the nordics you know we have one of the largest media companies and the largest sports team in in the nordics so from a perspective of you know having a, a pedigree of you know entertainment you know sports and entertainment we it's like the perfect mix in that sense so i saw it as a project that could really sort of take off and actually become more than what it was you know it's not it's not a secret that north has been <laughs> north has been struggling for for a little while you know we haven't lived up to expectations and and definitely no more so than than this year um but i still see it and you know i still believe that actually we have a lot of great people here not just players but people behind the organization as well that um that can really sort of change and turn this around and actually make it into like a you know a business that's going to thrive and actually make money essentially you know what what all businesses aim to do make yeah. money uh, even in the esports world we still try and make money it doesn't doesn't really happen like that but we, we yeah. give it a crack and now when you first joined the organization what what did the mess look like was it a mess i'm kind of assuming it was <sighs> if, if there's a handover between like there's a changing of the guard with you and 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 wimp there has to be something that you're coming into and going oh shit or was everything kind of okay I mean, organizational wise, they were pretty sound. There was no like flames that like had to be put out. Um, you know, obviously, you know, looking purely at the at the Counter Strike team, you know, there there were issues. There are issues. There will be issues. You know, it, it's not perfect, and I, I'm not going to claim that I've come in and and saved everything. It's quite clear that that nothing has mm -hmm. has truly been saved. Um, but on on the outside looking in. When I when it when I took the job, I I sort of wrote down a few things and and the organization had like a, quite a clear strategy that you know I had to execute when I came in and that was to to go Scandinavian so no longer purely Danish 
and to to build a team that was going to compete at the top level. So, yeah, I had my uh, had my plans, and uh, yeah, uh, I I don't want to get into exactly what happened with with part of it because it would uh, it wouldn't wouldn't look very good on a former employee of North, but uh, it, things didn't go quite to plan. And uh, let's say, um, yeah, that, that got scuppered and we had to start with a slightly different plan when I first got here. Um, but the general plan was to go more Scandinavian. Um, okay. But when, when I first got here, like first day, and uh, I spoke to Torbjorn, Mitha, the yeah. coach, uh, leadership, huge lack of leadership within the team. Like there was no, there was no team captain. There was no, there was no guy that was going to drive the rest of the team. Um, so yeah. What, what was that team? That was the team with Valde still in the, in the lineup? Or? No. So yeah. So I came in, yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess there was some flames. Uh, so I came in, uh, Valde had benched himself, been benched in what early October. They attended the, uh, the first pro league. Uh, off, offline stage in London, they played Fnatic, Astralis, and I think Aristocracy. That team with Taz, the Polish guys, and yeah. they they finished third in that group, so they went through to the the, the second phase, and then they went to Turkey for a Starlighter event. I think it. Jesus. Yeah, I don't think they did very good at that event. Um, and yeah, they'd obviously just added Cajun B. Um, as far as I know, they tried to get some other players first, um, but ultimately Cajun B was a free agent on Optic and. That's what they went with, um, which I, th I thought was a bit strange, to be honest. Uh, this this was genuinely the the previous management. Um, you know, when 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 you set me a task of coming in and building a Scandinavian roster, it does seem a bit weird that you then hire another Danish person. But I I don't regret having Rene on the team because I think he's a wonderful uh, teammate, and there's a good reason we're keeping him and st still working with him next year. Uh, but it just seemed a bit weird to me um, at the time, at least. But uh, it, ma it makes a bit of sense now. Yeah, before we yeah, yeah actually before we like deep dive in all, into all of this now that you're in the position and you have the team that you have uh at the end of 2019 i just wanted to ask like head of esports we all kind of have a feeling what that means but at the same time oh. a lot of people probably don't know what that actually entails like we had henry g on the show who is the general manager of cloud9 csgo so he is csgo focused when you do other games as well right but mm -hmm. we also have like Jason Lake, who's a prominent figure. Like, where do you fit into these? Like, uh, is your job similar to those guys, or, or and what the responsibility is in general for for you in the in the yeah. organization? So I guess I guess it's similar to a bit of a mix of the two, actually. I guess I mean, obviously, I don't know exactly what they do, but you know, I see I see someone like Jason Lake. He he does a lot more, probably like you know, reporting you know high level reporting to the board of directors and to investors and stuff like that. Like that's that's not really what things that I do. I leave that to CEOs and and people like that. Um, I see myself as sort of an administrative kind of head of the of the whole sporting department. So I'm I'm doing stuff from just making sure there's PCs in the room to you know player contracts, transfer agreements. Um, so in that sense, I guess you've got a bit of the the general manager role from Henry G. Uh, but but I guess I'm probably more involved on the, um, 
I don't know, the more sort of low-level kind of day-to-day stuff as well. Uh, obviously, I have multiple rosters. I have uh, an Apex Legends roster who's doing super good this year and uh, FIFA team because uh, we're, we're associated with FC Copenhagen. So it makes sense to have a, a FIFA team representing us as well. And they they participate in the local uh, E-Superliga. And they also uh, they also do quite well in that. So um, yeah, Counter-Strike is the kind of the odd one out at the moment in terms of performance. But uh, yeah, I just sort of, I handle every single, so every single aspect of the sporting department of, of North. So, you know, I, I, I sort of see myself as a bit of a kind of guy in the middle that can, that can work with, you know, the content department, the social media department, the marketing department, and kind of coordinate in between and around and hope sort of get things fixed and done as well as, you know, sort of the high level contracts and stuff like that as well. People uh, might, might see you on the back of the cams as well when North are playing. That you're pretty hands-on with the team, right? Are you there every day in the office when the team's practicing and stuff, or what's the yeah, I mean, look like? I mean, I work, I work Monday to Friday, nine to five plus matches. So um, you know, I stick around. Bit of overtime matches. there. Uh, a lot of overtime. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I'm I'm flexible with my hours, let's say. Uh, yeah, I um I'm with the team during all the matches, just coordinating with the tournaments and making sure that you know they've got the right IPs, they've got the right anti cheats, they've got you know everything in place, and also you know when using my admin experience, let's say <laughs> when we have technical problems, uh, you know I'm there to fix it, switch equipment out, um, make sure everything's running, make sure the PCs are optimized and everything's going well as well so yeah i'm you know i'm also a cheerleader as well the league ops you know. stuff coming in very handy there exactly yeah and they they joke about that as well they uh like when i smell like guys guys join the server they want you to join the server like yeah yeah calm down <laughs> you know <laughs> i just we... want to say like as a former league ops admin like now you now you have a baby like you you have a lot of experience with like crying kids so that's, that's amazing you're fully cool. yeah i i used to make that joke actually that uh doing league operations is like advanced babysitting like sometimes it's just uh it's just about like catering to egos and just trying to get your way without uh <laughs> without sort of causing a problem making it any worse yeah geez no, well people yeah. uh who, who may have watched some of the broadcasts that we've done especially earlier in the year if you saw it with uh mr henry greer myself and and machine Yes. Uh, we we use this man right here, Mr. Graham Messioso Pitt, as uh, the admin of our lives, right? So if it's a double <laughs> thumbs up from Graham Pitt, you know it's good. <laughs> it's just it's you know we 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 make up all these ridiculous fictional stories, but I think we've given a, a chunk of uh, background context now, and and that team yeah. we were just talking about with North when you came in, and it was all well, it wasn't a mess, but it was all you know obviously that direction when you came in to to build a, a Scandinavian team, not just a, a Danish team. Uh, having Cajun B coming in, did that alter the way that the plans looked in the immediate future? Were you thinking, okay, let's work with what we've got and see how much we can get out of it? Or did you want to make changes in, in the very near future after you had just joined? Yeah, I think I wanted to make changes quite quickly. I mean, as I said, uh, you know, I came in and the first person I spoke to was the the head coach at the time, Torbjorn. And uh, I, I love Torbjorn to bits. He's, he's wonderful. Um, can't say anything bad about the guy, honestly. Um, Corona's all over. I'm sure we'll meet up for a coffee at some point. <laughs> um, but he, he, you know, he he had a desperate, a desperate need and want for for leadership. You know, and it it wasn't just it wasn't just in game like 
structurally and tactically, but also just out of the game. He needed someone to come in and, and push the guys, you know, really drive. It felt like there was no one kind of dragging everyone else by the by the ass and just, you know, pulling them towards the right goal. So ultimately that led to um to MSL. You know, the first uh, the first hiring was was benching uh, Yuki and bringing in MSL. And again, that wasn't because Yuki was a bad player or a bad teammate, but MSL wanted to warp and it made the most sense. So from that perspective, it gave the team at least a bit of a roundedness and you know, the role stayed somewhat reasonable. I think if we'd brought MSL in for anyone else, we would have had like this weird double orb situation or like you know, two entry fraggers and it, it would have been weird. So it, from a role perspective in game, it made the most sense at the time. And you know, I stick by that decision based on what I was tasked to do, which was to build a team that could go as far as it could. You know, there was no there was no plans for what we're doing now, essentially, which is trying to sort of rebuild and restructure and, and start again. Um, so, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah. With Yugi, did you get much? Obviously, it's not a huge amount of time when we're talking mid to late January, and you only joined the team within November. But Yugi seems like someone who has been. Uh, on the cusp with a lot of potential we were always talking about it him on death segments and stuff a couple of years ago but he never really shined D did you within your time within the team were you able to identify any of the things as why yugi you know couldn't live up to that potential so yeah i mean i have a lot of experience with yugi before which is good uh, he was on heroic for what a uh, year and a half a year and a half back in from 2017 uh till mid mid 2018 um and you know arguably those were his sort of peak years i think when he was on heroic um yeah towards the end of that period he obviously had a period of sickness for like a month and a half or two months i think maybe where he was he was completely out you know that that was arguably the first sort of real burnout that that we experienced in counter-strike i think uh, it just wasn't <laughs> it just wasn't cold burnout yeah it just wasn't called that we didn't you know it didn't exist yeah. at that time but he he really struggled he struggled for a long long time and he came back for one match and then he got sold to optic along with uh with snappy and yeah i mean it was a bit concerning that he sort of jumped back in so quickly to me knowing you know what he'd gone through and uh i'm not sure i'm not sure he ever truly sort of recovered from that but I don't want to. I don't want to speak for the guy because I, I I I like Yugi so much. He's a really nice guy to have around. He's super fun, um, and he clearly has a lot of talent. You know, his high level is very very high. I think it, perhaps the one thing you could say is that his consistency is is very poor. Yeah. Um, and that and that doesn't bode well when you're at the top level of Counter Strike. You have to be, you know, you have to be consistent. I think. Okay, so after that, then that's when you guys uh, released Mitha and brought in uh, Jumpy. Was yes. that to do with like how MSL and and Mitha kind of saw the game? No, not at all. Actually, they um, so uh, Mitha spoke to MSL before we hired MSL, and they they spoke through their kind of uh, you know their vision for how they wanted to play Counter Strike, and and they gave the okay, and it was all good. Um, ultimately. We wanted to change the leadership again in in the team because we needed a fresh start. We needed a bit more of a fresh start than we already had. Is the is, is the simplest way I can put it. Um, we needed someone who perhaps was a bit more authoritative. You know, could really sort of come in and you know he wasn't he was Swedish. He wasn't their friend. 
you know, he was going to come in and he was going to take sort of control of the team and and really lead the team. And I think I don't think it's Torbjorn's fault because I think he had a I think he had a very different role in the in the 2019 version of North. And I think he was I think he 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 wanted to be part of the the organization but he was kind of put in a weird position where he had to also be the friends of the players and that kind of that left to hit led him in a bit of a weird position where he wasn't really sort of the the head of the team as he should have been and i think ultimately we needed to fix that and it wasn't something that's easily fixed um so all things considered we we made the change to switch to to jumpy to kind of rectify all of that um it's not often that you find a a coach with such you know good credentials um sort of as a free agent ready to go and you know he also fit the bill of uh, of going more scandinavian he was the first swedish player we hired so um yeah it was uh, kind of a mixed bag but i think mainly it was just to uh, get a bit more of a change and sort of reset the reset the team a bit more all right prop you got anything here before we move into the to the kirby and and lecro business yeah i guess i want that's where I was heading next. Sure. Uh, do you want to take it? Yeah, go, go there, go there, do it. I mean, yeah, obviously. Like, what happened with the with Kierby? Because I think even uh, just a couple of months before he ended up being benched, he actually extended with you guys. If I'm not, if I'm correct. Uh, yeah, so, correct. He he uh, extended uh, early January. Yeah. So so how did he end up leaving the team? I know he had like a medical break, but what was the Aside from that, like obviously he recovered because he was playing yeah. after the break. Why did he leave the team? Right. I mean, just just to clarify, Marcus was never benched from the team. Um, yeah. He he was on sick leave, and he was he was generally uh, he was experiencing extreme signs of stress, and uh, yeah, he he had to take a break, and he, he was really struggling. I remember it was during the middle of what Road to Rio, yeah. end of April. Yeah, and I, I remember we we'd played. We played like a ridiculous amount of games. Like honestly, that the amount of matches that that teams had to play during the early part of this year. Like I know it was kind of, you know, shoehorned in because, you know, it was the like a week was burning. Yeah, it was like a week before pro league, and then all of a sudden, COVID hits. No one travels, and and everything kind of got kind of crazy. But like that period we had between like pro league into road to Rio, and we had I think we had an Elisa qualif- qualification, uh, like the week before or week in during that. And I remember he was in the office for the Elisa game. I think it was against Dignitas. I think we played, and the guy was just suffering, man. Like he, you could see physically, he was he was really suffering. Um, so we tried to manage it as best we could. Uh, give him time off. We didn't practice for two days, I think, and then then uh, we had to play contact. I want to say contact in Rotoria, and uh, yeah, I mean, we we actually. We we considered changing him out after the second map and putting Jumpy in because he was he was struggling. <laughs> so yeah, I, I feel really bad for him because he again, you know, he's kind of one of the first guys that's that was publicly going through this this uh this sickness. And you know, it hit so many guys after that. I mean, obviously Alex from Vitality went out earlier in the year as well. Um, but you know, it's uh, it's it's really hit the players this year and and it's because the schedules have been so so rough like even though there's been no travel it's just been so incredibly tough to play you know once every two days in a big best of three because every if you play every every two days then the game the day in the middle can't be a break day it has to be a practice day or a preparation day for the next game so it's not just the day that you play the game it's also the day before that 
even if you have two day two days break between games, you know, maybe you get like half a day off, but it's just yeah. We were playing a lot of games during the first half of the year and it was quite tough on a lot of people. Um and you know, in hindsight we would have managed it. Maybe we would have played the less, you know, one less home sweet home tournament or something, but you know, it, it was uh, it was really struggling. Um so yeah, he he went he went sick and we had to we had to play with Jumpy for the for the end of the Road to Rio tournament. And somehow I think we won I think we beat Movistar Riders and G2 uh, to to go through the playoffs. And I think if we'd, I remember quite vividly on the third map of the, oh no, the first map of the G2 game, if we'd checked one more corner, I think it was at 14-14 on Vertigo, we would have beaten them 2-0 and then we would have finished second in the group and finished top eight or something, or top six. Yeah, I remember that up, game. We ended, we ended up losing uh, losing that game. Oh no, we won that game 2-1 and then we went through, yeah, just like into the playoffs and yeah, obviously we were playing with a coach. So we, I think we lost to Heretics and Godsend and finished eighth, which was, you know, in hindsight, quite a good quite a good result. Um, and Jumpy and didn't we, even do that bad. I'm just looking at his stats here. He had 47 no, he kills over three maps and Jax was the lowest frag of the G2 with 57. Yeah, Only no, 10 he, kills he, off like a functioning professional Counter-Strike player. <laughs> I just remember he. Uh, I'd love to see his flash assists uh, for that game because I just remember he was. Uh, <laughs> he basically just uh, just chilled at the back, held held behind, and then just flashed and flashed and flashed and threw a utility because obviously he knows all the smokes and the and the flashes and stuff because he he's the head coach, so he's he's sort of ready ready made in that sense. Uh, I think these days he's. Uh, I think he'd be a lot more. Um, how do you say a lot more fresh these days? Because he's played a lot of Valorant, so he's okay. uh, he's he's, he's, in, <laughs> he's in some serious shape right now. Like we actually had to practice with him this week uh, until Christou finished uh, playing with AGF, and uh, he was on the AWP and he plays AWP. He plays the operator in uh, Valorant, so he's uh, <laughs> he was on fire, man. Like uh, you could get him dual purpose, Graham. Get him doing the Valorant team as well. No, no, no. Oh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. We're trying to. Stru- I thought we were, that was the plan. Yeah. Twenty twenty. We make people work as much as possible. No. 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 And we drive everybody into the ground. Isn't that? Yeah. The status quo for the year. Uh, <laughs> please no. <laughs> um. Anyway. Yeah. Back. Back to Marcus. Um. So yeah, we were kind so of like, in the position. Yeah. Yeah. Go yeah. I just want just that. Like in in June. Yeah. In, in January or something, he extended, and then in yes. June was was the announcement that he that you guys like just ended your agreement or whatever and he's a free agent right so that yeah. that's the weird part uh from a, like a casual viewer perspective sure um i think i think when it came down to it you know ultimately um you know there's a there's a few things that can't be said on, on that side of things but um i think marcus not playing for north was the best thing for his health for sure i think i think being on north for this long I think it took a toll on him a little bit, and I think the I think the anxiety of not knowing when he would be ready to come back to his teammates. I think that you know, he, you know, obviously he wanted to come back and keep playing, and he ultimately did come back and keep playing. But I think you know, when when the team asked you, you know, are you going to be ready in a week? Are you going to be ready in two weeks? You know, we needed some some sort of closure on that sentence. You know, we had we had a season to prepare. So we needed to know who our starting roster was come August, and you know I think I think for him that that was quite tough to sort of say like you know am I going to be ready by August? And ultimately, you know he 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 somewhat wasn't. You know, Faze have already outlined that he you know he wasn't ready to come back and prac, you know, ahead of their first event. You know, he was he took some extra time. Yeah, took took some extra time, and and you know I think that would be very good for him. But 
yeah, we came to the agreement essentially that that what would be best for both parties is that we 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 split. Um, you know, we weren't looking to to sort of hang this sort of looming figure over his head of you know you have to return at some point. You know, you need to work more on your recovery. You know, that's not that wasn't going to be helping anyone's sort of end goals. So it came down to basically what's best for for both parties, and that was ultimately to sort of go our separate ways, and then you know both of us can sort of have this. Uh, you know, remove the sort of all the elements of of doubt. You know, we knew we needed a fifth player. Great. He knew he could tend to take as much time as he wanted and then find a new team and he could come back when he was ready. Great. You know, it was that that was as simple as it is, really. Um but yeah, we we had a we had a fifth player to fill. Um at that point we'd already signed Christu, uh, who stood in for us when Marcus was absent during uh during Mac Masters in the summer, I guess it was. That's the one, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Winter, winter would be today, yeah. so yeah. Dreamhack yeah. Masters summer, and I think we played like some home sweet homes and some yeah. some other weird stuff as well. Um, yeah, we took a we took a 18 year old Orpa and turned him into a lurker, and then told him to play against G2 Astralis and Heroic. So yeah, um, tough tough gig, I think you can say. Yeah, just a little <laughs> uh, bit. But he he performed well. Like you know, the first games were tough. But towards the end, he was really getting into it, and uh, I think lurking is perhaps one of the toughest roles to to learn because you, it's so much on instinct and intuition. Like you really can't be told, you know, go here, do this, do that, and you'll be a good player. You know, it really does rely a lot on sort of the feeling of the game and knowing when when you might have an opportunity to kind of take some control and and you know or get in the backstab. So. Yeah, he he took a long time to learn that, and uh, I think for us actually that was one of the defining things that made us want to sign him. Is that actually, you know, he came in as a as an alt player, you know, that's what he had been playing on AGF up until that point, and he just came in and and just took it by the balls. You know, he just went, okay, cool, let's do this, and you know, <laughs> I remember him playing on Dust Two, and he was playing T side outside long doors, and he had like the just the, the shittiest game of his life. Like it was just like. You know, he, he would just sit outside and just wait and then the round would be over, you know, or he would go through and get killed. Like he just, you know, but by the end, he he really figured it out. And uh, he actually, I think in the G2 game we played, uh, we won we won against them. We beat them with a stand-in, jump, jumpy, and then we beat them with Christo as well. So that was quite impressive for us. Um, but I remember on the Dust 2 game that we played against G2, he actually had like three or four really standout rounds where he actually kind of won us the game. So, um, yeah, we were we were super impressed with him. And we were really happy to to have him with us and to sign him full time. And then yeah, obviously we loaned him back to AGF while we had uh, while we had a full team roster. But the uh, the idea was that he would keep developing and and keep growing. And I think uh, you know hopefully touch wood, uh, you know we'll get to see that uh, on a higher level in the in the coming months to the two years hopefully. Um, yeah, super super happy with we've signed him a long time ago. So I want to pick up on this this Kirby moment in time, right? Obviously, oh. more of a health issue as to, as to why he stepped down. But did did that because he's him and AZ? I suppose a lot of people would look at as like the franchise names for North at the time. Uh, yeah, AZ being there forever, Kirby obviously being a, a star in his own right. Uh, when Kirby was was out the out the door, so to speak. Did that like feel to you like it was time to make a, a big change or was this just a we can plug this hole because to fill a, a player like Kirby's shoes is, is no easy task, right? No, absolutely not. Uh, Marcus is a is a fantastic player and has been for, for many, many years. Again, you know, another guy that I've known from my time on Astralis. 
um, it's a very, it's a very, it's a big shame that both of our departures uh, weren't on, you know, weren't under the best of circumstances in the end. But um, yeah, there was obviously a, a hole to fill, and and we wanted to, you know, our 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 strategy at that point was still to to build a Scandinavian roster, uh, you know, at as best we could. So yeah, I mean, when there's a, a high level Swedish player who both myself and the head coach had worked with before on the bench at another team. Um, and who would also fit the roles and the changes that we wanted to make within the team. And I think that's something that really went sort of under the radar is that we actually switched, um, like, well, definitely two of the roles. So KJB went to being a hardcore lurker from being sort of a, a flex player, and uh, Gade went from being the hardcore entry fragger to sort of the flex player. And those two things opened up a spot for an entry fragger, which was what Lecro wanted to play and wanted to be. So... Mm. Obviously, from that point, we it made a lot of sense to go for a player like him. Um, ultimately, those changes in roles really helped. Um, both of them have been probably our two best performing players in, in Gate and KJB. So that's been uh, really fantastic over the last sort of three months. Um, obviously, we didn't find our footing completely <laughs> in the last three months either. But uh, I mean, I think up until last week when we made the roster change, we were steadily improving from rank 29 to rank 21. So, you know, it wasn't it wasn't like uh, we we didn't do a heroic or a big and just go and win a big major event and go from like 35 to two or something. But you know, it was steady progress, um, which is ultimately maybe the best kind of progress. I don't know. <laughs> well, I think it could be more replicable in the future, for sure. Talking about yeah. the, the Lecro signing, we had the Peacemaker on like a couple of weeks ago. Uh, yeah. And he did say that their like whole summer transfer, pe transfer period was just like talking to Lecro like for three weeks <laughs> or something. They were getting all of the details down for that, for him to join Mad Lions and then for him to just like last minute go to North. So uh, can you give like the viewers a bit, bit more information? Like what happened there? How do you go in and have a player that's almost ready to sign another deal and snatch him, especially in this situation where over the last six months, I'd say Madlands was the higher ranked team, probably more achievements. I don't know how, yeah. how it is like backing wise, money wise, but they're also like a pretty legit organization. So how, how do you steal Lecro away uh, from them? I mean, I, I honestly, I don't know. I mean, if you ask me that same question, I would say that, you know, Jonas was always coming here. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I reached out to Jonas literally the day after, or the day he got benched, like a minute after I said, I'm interested in you. Like, tell me if you get any other offers, but I'm interested in you. And this was, I think, this before Marcus went sick. It might have been just after Marcus went sick. So we didn't know if Marcus was coming back, but I was like, I want this guy. Like, this is my guy that I want. You know, if he's benched on another team, you know, if he's surplus to requirements, this is the guy I want. And... Yeah, it took a little while. We got to the summer, and then you know the we really started heating up. And um, Jonas wanted to come here. As far as I know, we 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 can offer a lot. Just you know, beyond just purely money, we offer quite a lot. Um, and I think one of the things that really, really, uh, I mean, obviously the best person to ask will be him if you for this <laughs> decision. But uh, from from my side, I think we offer a lot in terms of um, the sporting model and the performance team that we have here uh, we have a really good guy called christian who works with the likes of kasper schmeichel uh and the danish national teams and certain things and he he's built like a, a performance culture in the team that 
really appealed to, to Jonas as far as I can tell. Um, and yeah, Jonas, as far as I know, always wanted to come here. There was never any indication that he was going to sign with someone else. Um, so mostly it came down to just negotiating with, with NIP. And I think that just took a, a bit longer than perhaps people thought it would. And ultimately that just kind of put this doubt in everyone's minds that that perhaps he was kind of coin flipping or something. But I think ultimately it came down to to us negotiating with NIP for the for the transfer that kind of caused this delay and perhaps the confusion. Well, someone was getting honey dick, that's for sure. I guess you guys <laughs> came out on top there. So in, in yeah, that maybe. regard. But I, I look at Lecro's age, right? Like, did it was it not a concern at the time that he was an older boy and you already have MSO or already had MSO who was 25, Cajun who, off the top of my head, 30, 30. 31 in about a week. Okay, well, he's almost one of the old make boys. Sure, like make sure you remind him about that. Time to see him. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're old, all right, Graham. Fuck, we're over the hill now. <laughs> when you're past 30, it doesn't matter anyway. Gade was like... <laughs> 26 or something so uh, and then you, you brought lecro in so the team the age of the team was already quite high in terms of the average right was that like not a worry or you don't have that the same thoughts as like uh, yeah I, I i don't i don't have too much of a worry about it i don't think that we've i don't think that we've reached the the upper limit on age in esports right. like by all means you know 10 15 years ago when when salaries were kind of you know if you get to my age let's say and you've got a kid on the way you've got a kid or you've got a wife you know maybe the esports salary didn't pay the bills you know you had to go out and actually find a, a job that could sustain your family but yeah. the, but these days you know i mean what there's there's a few players now that are 30 plus i think forest is 30 plus now yeah uh rpk isn't he 31 i think rpk is still yeah he's it, no man. boy he's killing it you know I don't think that I don't think the age I don't think we found the retirement age of a Counter Strike professional yet because actually no one's no one's actually been there to push to push that boundary and see how far they can go because it's never been a realistic choice for them, you know. And maybe you know maybe maybe the retirement age is quite soon because maybe they're getting you know two three kids on the way. You know, we've seen a few coaches retire because they've got kids. You know, I know that um, Robin, you know, he retired when he when his second. Uh, daughter was born or something and i think ave also wanted to spend more time with his family so there's been a few coaches that have kind of gone out when because the travel schedule is still crazy right yeah <laughs> there's still other aspects of the of the lifestyle that aren't appealing to to someone if they have you know other things going on in their lives but i think you know purely as a terms of a player in game i don't think we've seen the the retirement age of a, of a professional player yet i think i think counter strike especially is a game where experience can really take you a long long way whereas you know obviously being a young mad fragger can also take you a very long way as well i think yeah. there's a place for for players of sort of all all ages let's say so i'm chat, gonna get stuck don't give up yeah no, i've been playing some pugs i've been playing against the b minuses and ESCA, feeling good about myself so we'll, we'll get there <laughs> eventually but uh let's turn our attention to this most recent bombshell that you uh you dropped now sure. uh this is where az as i mentioned before franchise player and msl uh we'll, we'll put on the bench right they you they've they've been pushed to one side to bring in some newer names and those names yep. were, were chris the one who you already mentioned had a stint on the yes. team and kriaz uh who has stood in for Fnatic in the past he just stood in for genji uh yep. he played for simon gaming the, the kid speak spoke fucking russian i believe or something um <laughs> anyway he's he's been all over the shop in the last couple of years those are the two names you decided. But I think the question that most people want to know is why AZ and MSL? Why were those the two that you, you took out of the project? 
So I think this is this is a yeah. There's a few different reasons for this, um, you know. And I'll be I'll be completely realistic with you, uh, you know. No bullshit, as I said. Uh, the first one is definitely financial. You know, they were okay. two of the highest paid players on the team, and just being realistic, you know, North as a as a project hasn't been financially stable since its inception. But you know, when you first when you first uh, launch a team, you know, you expect to make losses to begin with, right? But this project is now four four years down the run, down the run, and it, you know things don't look great as as it's quite obvious from the outside, right? So there is definitely an element of sort of lowering the salary overall, lowering the out out costs, and trying to replicate the same performance. And I believe we can do that. I you know everyone says you know you missed out on all these players and you know everything else. Okay, well we're not going to miss out on those players anymore. We're going to make a, a very hard effort to to actively and aggressively pursue those kind of players because it's quite clear that you're right. You know, there's the likes of what existence. You know, the old Copenhagen Flames. Obviously, heroic have risen up quite heavily. You know, I have no doubt that they're all paid less than what we pay our guys. So it must be possible, right? So there's definitely an element of you know, can we do this for cheaper? And you know, you could argue that you know MSL is the guy you want to have in that team to 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 bring up the young guns, right? You know, you want him to lead the 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 young guys and and push, you know, and educate them. But the the honest truth is, he's not interested in that. He has no interest in 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 developing talent. He wants to be playing on a top ten, top five team, and I totally respect that. You know, he's he he's a he's a winner. And let me tell you, I I have never met a guy who has more drive and more willingness. To, to push himself than 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 MSL, um, I honestly couldn't say anything bad about the guy. Like in terms of what he brought to us this year, it was very clear that you know he brought us exactly what we what we asked for, which was to come in and take these guys by the balls and drag them through hell and high water, and he did that. So, yeah, you know, completely respect that. You know, when you when you talk to a guy and you say like you know we're going to a development focused you know we're going to bring in young guys and it's going to be a reset and you know we are going to fall out of the top 30 and we're going to try and claw our way back up there and, and hopefully go further than that and yeah it's not in his interest so you know completely fine with that and we'll try and find him a new home where he can go and and achieve his uh his goals and his ambitions because ultimately you know i don't i don't want to have a guy here who doesn't want to be here and who doesn't you know who's not involved in the project so Kind of a similar position with AZ as well, where you know he he's not interested in in rebuilding after four years. You know, I think kind of a similar For the situation maybe time, to, probably. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, again, kind of a similar situation to 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 Kierby in the sense that you know he's been through he's been with North for every single match except for I think eight maps at the E League Major 2017 in in Atlanta. He played for FaZe, um, so he's been here literally through absolutely everything, and. I think that takes a, I think that takes a toll. And I think he did an interview with you guys actually yesterday or today. Yeah, exactly. uh, you know, today. yeah. And he, you know, he he says himself, you know, he sees it as a, a fresh start, you know, a fresh opportunity. It's a place where he now he can sort of reset, you know, take a bit of a break, a bit of an extended break over the Christmas period, and come back and maybe you know find some find some real motivation, some real drive, and and you know hopefully again we can find him uh, a place where he feels comfortable, feels happy to to sort of continue his career. You know, we're not interested in in holding guys here and and selling them for crazy high fees. You know, I want to get these guys somewhere where they feel comfortable playing and and you know, as soon as they're ready to go and they find an offer that they have, we'll we'll find a deal for them and we'll get them going because 
it's you know these guys are humans at the end of the day right you know essentially we kind of we kind of fired them a week before a month before christmas it's kind of kind of rough i'm um, sure you would have given them some financial advice graham in you know <laughs> don't spend all your money on diamond encrusted rolexes and cars right no don't do that um yeah, definitely don't do that uh, if you are going to buy diamond encrusted rolexes buy them for me there you go. <laughs> That's yeah. gonna yeah. you the <laughs> But yeah, um so yeah, yeah, so to look to look more at perhaps the players we've kept, because uh, obviously that's kind of relevant as well. Um yeah, the first one is Cage of B. And uh again, you know, again, I don't I think age is is a very fickle thing in, in esports at this point. Um obviously, you know, there's there's the idea that these young 16, 17, 18 year olds, some of them have come through and they're just, you know, they're godlike, right? But but where would they be in in a team where they weren't surrounded by the experienced guys sort of giving them the the platform to do that, you know? So we need some experienced guys in this team. We, we don't want to be just, uh, you know, having five young guys and trying to turn them into something that perhaps they're not. So yeah, Cajun B. Um, I mean, can can you think of a more experienced guy in in Denmark sure. right now? Yeah. You know, he, I I remember meeting him at a Counter Strike Source event in like 2009. Like this guy's been around for for forever. Uh, again, he's gonna hate me for that, but <laughs> um, yeah, uh, he he when when we brought Christo in the first time, he took on a like he, we didn't ask him to, but he he took on a really like uh, a mentoring role. You know, he would he would message the guy and just see like how's he doing? What, can I help you with something? You know, he would really kind of kind of take some time out of his, you know, what he didn't have to do. It wasn't his job to do it, but he he, he did it. And uh, that really helped Christo, Christo's development uh, with us and sort of made him feel like he was, you know, on the right track and getting, getting the right um, getting the right help. So from our perspective, you know, he's a very experienced guy. He's playing, you know, he's playing the lurker role, which we, we see as quite an experienced role. You need a guy who can really, um, you know, who can really... Uh, play the role, I guess, as simple as that. Um, so we, we find Rene to be super, super invaluable to us. And we're really happy that he, uh, you know, again, the three guys that we've kept, you know, we we spoke to them, you know, we said, this is this is our plan for next year. You know, are you in or you're out? You know, do you want to be part of this? Or do you want to go find, uh, you know, a new a new team to play for? Because, you know, we'll help you with that if you want to do that. And all three guys are like, yeah, you know, I, I really see the, the see the possibilities in this. I see the value in, in actually sort of taking in some young some younger talent and and you know bringing them up and and perhaps you know we'll uh hopefully we'll uh, exceed expectations and and go further than uh, we have done this year all right you're gonna jump in here prop i'm sure you got something uh yeah i mean i want to touch on like this change of like how, how do you like a model almost like when north was launched i feel like it was it was like North and Astralis doing practically the same thing. Like the Astralis model was the North model, like super high professionalism, breaks, uh, whatever. This, uh, I don't know, mental coaches, blah, blah. It seems like now that you guys are kind of taking the heroic model more like or, or the tricked model of old, right? Having some old older experienced players, but trying to find like these up and comers, right? And uh, yeah. trying to capitalize on that. Uh, how do you see like North now? Because in the past, North was like you always had to be at least the second best team in Denmark, and when you weren't, that was a disappointment because yeah. of the backing and because of the approach and everything. So is that now like something that you're like, okay, this is now like a smaller project, sim similar to what Heroic is, and maybe I don't know, maybe even Mad Lions, I don't know. Uh, no, not really. Um, I think the key part is that while we while we maybe 
sort of reducing our investment into Counter-Strike, we're not reducing investment into the organization as a whole. So yeah, we may not be the second best team in Counter-Strike, but ultimately being the second best team in Counter-Strike means nothing if, if you're still losing tons of money, right? So ultimately we're, we're trying to build a project and more, more, more realistically an organization that actually is sustainable long-term, you know, five, six years in the, in the future, you know, we can't have, you know, owners pushing in all their money and getting nothing back for it. So, you know, we're, we're, we're taking our investment and we're sort of using it more wisely. I think, I think that you can sort of say that we can get more out of our money essentially by reducing our outgoings on CS and spreading it into other places in the organization. And we have so many plans in terms of, uh, you know, what we want to do with North as an organization to sort of not just be an esports team, but actually sort of encompass more within the Nordic gaming market and entertainment market than than just being North esports. Um, so I think that's quite a good thing to keep clear is that actually we're not reducing our investment in North, but it's actually just being spread across different avenues and trying to actually kind of create a sustainable project so that North can can be around in the future. And you know maybe in 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 a year or two when things actually look better overall, we can start to reinvest more into Counter Strike and actually kind of go forward. Um, you know it's really it's really good to note that we we aren't a partner team with Blast, Flashpoint, ESL. So you know <laughs> you know it's no secret that that Counter Strike teams have not been profitable for for many many years. And by all means, North was one of the the catalysts for that back in 2017 when they signed the first roster. You know, they signed them to to much higher salaries than anyone else was being paid. You know, even the Astralis guys to begin with. So, you know, it, it's it's all well and good seeing like you know Cloud9 and Complexity dump. I mean, I lost track of how much money Henry G spent, but <laughs> he's uh, he spent a lot of money. Uh, 2.1 million on S tag alone, as per Twitch chat memes. So I think yeah. it's like around <laughs> six million. Uh, yeah. So three years, yeah. right? And and that's that that makes a bit more sense when you have a revenue share plan through Flashpoint. You know, um, you know, you, you take that roster, what they cost, plus add on two million for their for their. Uh, their buy-in and then all of a sudden you know those kind of finances they 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 simply aren't available to us so we're not competing with those kind of guys being realistic can i and, can i ask uh, oh. about like you mentioned salaries and like of course like north made signings in the past and you come in and you the things are like the contracts were signed and you need to like yeah. live up to the to the prices and everything absolutely what what kind of numbers are we actually talking about talking about player salaries <laughs> in csgo at the moment like these high salaries that were like remnants of the old north and stuff like that yeah i mean obviously i can't speak for any of my i can't i can't speak for any of my players because you know i i have i have a degree of confidentiality with the team and, and obviously uh I, potentially even the law i'm not an expert on danish law but i'm not sure i can go out and say these kind of things so uh, i'll be honest and say that you know we were paying perhaps upwards of double what for example heroic were paid at least back when i was there like it, it's it's significant amount more and you know that does take a toll when you've been paying that to you know four or five guys for three and a half four years um so it's not yeah it's uh it, it could have been done a lot cheaper if you wanted to do it but you know obviously north when they came out they they went very aggressively right they wanted to be they wanted not just to be the number two team in denmark but they wanted to be the number one team in denmark and you know they went very aggressively and and they you know they hired very aggressively you know they got valde in they got they got kirby in you know they didn't fuck around so to speak um but it's good to note that they got both of those on on free transfers right 
Like actually, when you think about it, North North hired in quite smartly. Like they didn't really spend money on transfers. They sold a lot of players, but they didn't really spend much money on bringing in new players. They actually got quite a good uh, quite a good deal. You know, they promoted Mertz from their academy team. They promoted Gage from the academy team. Yeah. Like they didn't spend crazy money on transfers, but the salaries were still quite high overall in general. And that perhaps was a mistake in some ways, but you know we all live by hindsight, right? Yeah, well, I, I think it was obviously like you mentioned an aggressive approach initially. Nobody wants to live in the shadow of of someone else. But do you think that that's a problem within the Danish scene that there is that top dog of us? I know that heroic now are playing well, and obviously Mad Lions the same thing, and North still in the mix, and you have all these fledgling teams that are like probably in terms of infrastructure for Counter Strike, Denmark probably has it the best, right? Absolutely, in, in the whole world. Does, I've, does it make I've it never seen anything like it? I think it makes it easier. I think um, we, we have a we have an organization here called Esport Denmark, and they're actually working on some really cool stuff right now. And one of the things that we we highlighted as like kind of a priority that they should have is actually getting uh, sort of accredited coaches that work with work with schools and work with after school clubs. And uh, you know, we actually have schools here that have sort of dedicated esports programs where you know, and some of our players. I think uh, Chris Du came through one of them in in Bilo, and I know that Torbjorn used to teach at one in 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 campus Bilo as well. And um, you know, we had we have a really good infrastructure here in Denmark, and there's there's so many teams and and clubs that, that exist all around all around Denmark. And you know, there's there's definitely not a shortage of talent, but I think the key part is that the next generation of pros that come through aren't going to be the guys that that grew up playing video games in in their mum's bedroom. You know, like they're going to be the guys that have been sort of born and bred from playing you know 5v5 land cafes which you know in some cultures is quite common and has been very common uh, up until quite recently but you know in, in in sort of i guess western europe it's not very common to to have land cafes like it be your number one place you know most people own a, a pc at home and stuff um but i think you know even just playing at a land cafe is very different to getting sort of dedicated coaching from from a sort of a, a professional coach even at like a school level um, so one of the things that we re- we really highlighted is actually that to educate these guys into what it's like to be a professional before they get there, because like it's very easy to go from sort of being on an amateur team and then you come into North and it's like oh god I have to do like streaming and well, no, we don't actually require any streaming but you know, that was a thing in the past um, but you know commercial things you know I have to wear what I have to drink what hello to Noko. Um, <laughs> um, and you know, it's just about it's just about professionalizing from a young age, if that makes sense. Sure. You know, if you if you look at football, you know, these players come through through academies where they're you know they're taught how to be professional. This is how things go. You know, you listen to your coaches, you you work your way up, and and you know when they when they get asked to do an interview, they're like, yeah, sure, because I have to do that because I know I have to do that. They don't go, no, I don't want to do interviews. That doesn't help me. It's like, yes, it does. It does help you. <laughs> it, helps it, a lot. It, help, it helps everyone. Yeah. yeah, and and even I mean, I'm glad you said it. Like. Just things like understanding that that you're not just a player in a server. Like a player in a server doesn't make anyone any money. And I hate to break it to any aspiring esports professionals, but you need to make money if you want to be worth, you know, that's ultimately what this all comes down to, right? You know, Cloud9 aren't investing eight million, eight point one million dollars or whatever it is to to not make money. You know, they're they're betting on a on a on an investment that's gonna hopefully turn around and they need you know, they need your personality. They need your brand to help build that. So they're not investing in your in your one taps. They're investing. In, I mean, 
maybe they are investing in the one taps if they're that good, right? <laughs> but you know, they're investing in you as a as a player, as a marketing asset to sell products or to sell, you know, data or whatever they whatever your but, sponsors do. Yeah. You know? But also just like looking at Dignitas, you still need to have like some results with to go with the marketability. <laughs> there there is like a, some sort of a balance that you need to have. You can't just go like Sure. Full on marketing. No, but that's why, Prof, that's why you treat it like a fucking like a concert. It's like when ACD tour, you get the old boys out, you you the you know, they're skeletons of themselves. they it's like you got them as the puppets like the retirement village, and then you put them away again. That's what Dignitas did. They brought them out, they make a splash, all the eyes, oh my god, it's the legends, 87 and oh, they were so good seven years ago. And then they wheel them out, they, they get them in the wheelchairs. <laughs> They take them out and then they upgrade it, right? They need to. It's like the Wiggles. I don't know if you've seen the Wiggles. Maybe people in the home are familiar with the Wiggles. Graham should become familiar with the Wiggles. Now he's a dad. But there needs to be four of them. They're Aussie blokes. They give them a couple of these ones. They sing some songs. They got too old. Then they just they keep their their shirts on and they change the people. Now they got some younger people doing the Wiggles. <laughs> it's the same thing. This it's basically what Dignitas have done. Um, I have yeah. a question, Graham. It's a it's a sure. pretty good one. Uh, it's it's to uh, it's a twofold question. Now, you've been a part of this team now for just over a year. Yes. Um, in terms of the roster changes and stuff, it sounds like, obviously, more recently, it's got come, fallen more towards a management side of things to how uh, and when roster changes are going to happen. When you first joined, was it like not walking on eggshells, but was it more like done by committee? And now that shit hasn't worked, you're going, fuck all this noise. Like, I'm picking who we're having. Or like, something along those lines. Obviously, I'm being quite crass, cutting a lot of corners. But is it more now just your decision? Uh, I mean, ultimately, it it was never the player's decision uh, to say that they didn't speak out. You know, we spoke to the players. You know, I, I think one of the biggest things that's changed this year has been a really open and honest relationship between between the players and the management. And I think that's also what made, uh, you know, when we spoke to MSL and AZ and, you know, told them about our plans, they went, OK, you know, really happy that, you know, you actually told us and you were straight with us and, you know, it's it's something that I think has been very valuable this year is that actually we we just you know there's no sort of bullshit between the, between the players and the management you know we 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 we're open and honest with them about our plans and you know people look at the the, the decision we just made and say oh it looks very rushed. Um, Christo had a three week recall on his loan right so if he's ready this week that means we at least started it two weeks ago. And then you factor in that I had a baby the two weeks before that. Yeah. <laughs> and you can suddenly see that these things got a bit delayed. Yes, but they were, you know, ultimately we didn't want to play any more tournaments than we had to with with the roster that essentially, you know, the decision had been made to change the new strategy long before we announced it, right? Yeah. It's just uh, a few things had to go into place. And one of them was the fact that Christou had a three-week recall on his loan uh, in the in the transfer agreement so we had to honor that obviously and we didn't want you know we we have a really good relationship with our guys down at agf and they're they're doing a super super good job as you can see like their performances this year have gone from you know people didn't know about them and now they're you know they, they took gambit right to the edge yesterday and then what gambit smashed spirit i think in the final they just beat cloud nine 16 to 6 on vertigo as well so yeah, yeah. so you know th th they, they took gambit right to the edge i think overtime in like 16 12 or something and you know now they're going out and beating other teams so i think agf have done a fantastic job this year of of building a really good roster and a really good uh, team that actually has gone out and upset a few people 
club time us actually um <laughs> that was, yeah, that, was really, that was really embarrassing <laughs> like agf are a new development uh, team agf went 2-0 over north oh no yeah awkward moment yeah, um, how do you explain that one yeah i'm sure that's an awkward monday morning meeting uh are we gonna yeah. talk let's talk about some of these players that people sure. often uh, quote as players that you should have gotten in yeah. north uh not not even talking about all of the players that are in that went from trick to mad lions which of course yeah. probably at some point were an option uh a core especially maybe for that but then you have msl then that's an issue yeah. then there's farleg again then you still have msl that wants to op so uh, was that like a consideration why you didn't get the any of the opping offers earlier in the in the year so i mean I mean, we moved we moved for MSL long before Farley had blown out on the scene, right? He he came out he came out during that Road to Rio tournament where yeah. which was like three months later. So to we he was offered to us like, like Copenhagen Flames tried to sell multiple players of their roster to us. So we could we could have had him. We could have had Tess. It's like it, I'll be completely honest with you. Like they they openly said, "Here's the price. You can have them," um, because they were going through various roster changes and some of their players i think i think it was around the time that Asilian was going to to mad lions and basically they had uh you know offers on different players and some wanted to stay in denmark and some didn't and they said like you know some of them would like to stay in denmark do you want these guys um i i have to say I, I, this whole farley thing farlig farley farley uh i i recognize that he's a good player but i don't see the hype personally I haven't seen enough to say that he's gone from Copenhagen Flames to Godsent, and he's still like a really standout player. I mean, Godsent are what they're they're a fifteen to twenty team, I think, right now, and he's they just performing beat well. Astralis, though, Graham. They did just beat Astralis, but that was all because of Emmy. Let's know. <laughs> <I'm kidding. laughs> um, everyone knows it's easier to play with a stand-in than it is to play with a real roster. That's the facts. Yeah. Otherwise, we're better than G two. So there you go. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think I think he's a very competent player. I think he's quite consistent, but I don't see I don't see the hype that other people see. Maybe I'm wrong. That's just a personal opinion. Um, the, the the truth is is that we had our raw player, and it wasn't uh it wasn't a decision we had to make. Um, I think going back, you know, if if we look at if we look at the players that it, it sort of escaped north before I got here, you know, you can go back as far as probably Stown was a player that you know when I was on heroic before we sold heroic. We we wanted to get him when he was on Fraxters, and for whatever reason we couldn't. And then finally, when after we sold the team, uh, I think Fraxters sort of dissolved, and then they got him. And you know, I can't, I don't understand why North wasn't the destination for a player like him because it was he was clear that he was the standout player on that roster, and they were the next best team in Denmark. Like that didn't make sense to me. Uh, blame F again, you know, if you're having leadership issues in your team. Which, you know, North was after after MSL was benched after the Stockholm in 2018. It seems like Blame F would be a logical choice, but it didn't happen. I can't tell you why. You know, there's there's a long list of sort of Danish players that that sort of escaped during that period. That you know, you look at heroic now and you think, you know, what could they still been if they had Blame F? <laughs> you know, uh, or if they didn't, didn't bench Katie. 
that was also an option for them. But but that's like before yeah, exactly, your time, yeah. so maybe not not worth getting into. into no, all no. Of that I, I, yeah, I mean, if if you go back and look at the HLTV uh, rankings for the North of all time, you know, you look at like DreamHacks.com. They fin- I think after that they were third in the world, and then literally from there it's just like a gradual Blumiting. decline. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> a, gra- a, gra- a gradual decline that essentially I inherited. So, I, you know, I don't want to speak ill of any decisions and stuff, but you know, I think it's quite clear that with the players that we see now, that there was possibilities. You know, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. We we were we were told by an agent about S tags contract running out in July, and we were like, "Oh, that sounds really good." Like, I I work with Patrick a lot, and uh, again, <laughs> Patrick is a player that you know we had to but we benched him during the middle of a CS Summit event by the phone, right? He he he. he uh, <laughs> I, I felt really bad for the guy, but we did it, and we brought in Rubino back on heroic, um, and. The guy just walked into the office like the Tuesday after he got back and just baked us banana bread and just come chill with us. Like he's just like the, the the nicest guy in the world. Like and 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 then Yuki got sick and we asked him to come back very briefly and he came back on the orp and he just started fucking wrecking people, man. Like the guy's just a machine. <laughs> like I I know, I, that. Yeah, I've I've never seen a guy get benched, take it like on the chin, and then just come out and say like I'm going to prove everyone wrong. And he did exactly that, and he walked back into the starting roster, even when you know everyone came back. And you know, I I wish I, I hope Patrick has the biggest success in Cloud Nine because that guy is like a he's like the ultimate professional, and he's just a fucking awesome guy. Like shout out to fucking is can I, uh, that kid's the same. If I can just transi- transition into sure. like the current situation within game leadership, because you were talking about uh, yeah. right, we were talking about Blame F and uh, KD and stuff like that. So Gade is now calling on the team, right? Yeah, Gade will go back to calling. So he uh, he he took over calling. What I mean, just again, just before my time, he took over from Valde sometime in 2019, mid to late 2019. So was this, like, out. was Gade always going to be the in-game leader, or were you like considering others as well? Because like one one name that pops up in the Danish scene is Manx. He is now in. I can't sure. remember. He's in. He's in existence now. I think. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, it's very hard to follow these like uh, Danish teams and yeah. <laughs> full, full team transfers and everything yeah. that's going on. But yeah, he was a couple of flames now and now now in existence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the question is like, were you considering that him or was like Gate always going to be the in-game leader? Considering he was was it before and now like was learning for MSL. Yeah. So for this project, Gate was the in-game leader, and and we were very honest with him when we said like, you know, we're changing the strategy, and you're going to have a huge role in this strategy, and it's going back to in-game leading. And he went, "Wow, I'm so happy. Like, I really want to get back into that." Like towards the end of the period where he was in-game leading, which was obviously right when I took over, he really wasn't feeling it. Like he didn't, <laughs> he didn't feel like he had like enough experience to sort of take that role on, and. And that's something that we've really worked on this year, not in a in, not in a in a way of bringing him back into the in-game leadership role, but you know the change of his in-game role in in the summer was you know to sort of teach him that there was other aspects of the game and he didn't just have to be an, a hardcore entry fragger with good mechanics, right? That he we look a lot at the personalities of the players, and if you talk to a guy like Gade, he he's just like. He just wants to be there with his teammates and support the crap out of them. Like he just wants to make sure that everything goes well. And he spent a long time, sort of inadvertently, I guess, learning from MSL and also from from Jumpy, our coach, on on what will essentially now help him. We believe as an in-game leader. 
um, you know, he has experience of calling it, but he he you know self would say that he he wasn't experienced enough then to to actually take on that role. You know, we still we still won a DreamHack Open event in Sevilla with with that team. Like it wasn't a bad team, and he wasn't a bad caller, but he he lacked experience when he sort of needed it. You know, when he when he had to make like a mid round call and say like we're going B, it was more like should we go B? And it's like you know you need to have that kind of um, conviction, just, yeah, the sort of assertiveness. And if I mean, if there's one guy who who has that, it's MSL, right? He's a guy that you know when he reads something, he goes, "This is what we're doing." You know, he, he commands the team, and that was something that that Gage was definitely missing, but something that he's obviously been now exposed to. You know, if if I look back at Gage's in-game leaders over the years, you know, he had he's had Cadian and Snappy, I think, has been like the two main ones, and Stanislaw, I think, at one point in Optic. And then I don't even know who who was in-game leader on North Academy. I guess it was Loma, I think. I'm not sure, but he yes. hasn't he he hasn't had like you know Cadian's obviously doing extremely well, and and I I love Snappy to bits, but I don't think they're perhaps quite the same as MSL in terms of like super hardcore structure, like really sort of you know like a general sort of marshalling the troops. And I think that I think what we're looking for now is a sort of balance between those those kind of elements of being a bit loose. But also having like the authority and the and the assertiveness to kind of you know push through. And I think that was what he was lacking before. So, you know, he he self-acknowledged that he probably wasn't ready for it last time. And that was also why he wanted to give it up. And you know, he was also another guy in the team that was sort of clamoring for some leadership within the team. Um, you know, he's had that experience now this year and and he's really uh he's really pumped. Again, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but you know, when we when we approached him and said, This is the project and this is what you'll be leading. Um, he was super excited. I think I think it helps that it's not like a, you know it's not a team that's going to start in the top fifteen and try and push the top ten, but it's a team that's sort of you know starting. I think I think sadly we dropped we finally dropped out of the top thirty uh, because we only have four players on the on the ranking. <laughs> um, but you know it's a team that's sort of taking a different uh, a different route, and that will help him sort of release a bit of the pressure and 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 realize that he's. Uh, He's sort of leading a different uh, team with different expectations now than it was before, and hopefully that will uh, help him ease in. Uh, also, got to factor in that COVID is still still very much a thing. So you know, six, seven, maybe maybe more months of COVID, I think at least you know before worldwide vaccinations and LAN events can sort of go ahead without any issue. So you know, we're going to really re also rely on uh, Jumpy to really sort of help with calling. Um, you know, we're we're just gonna we're just gonna do it, like you know. I've I've always been super against having coaches call. Like I remember when when we first put the uh, the coaching rule in after Cologne 2016, I was like, "Fuck yeah!" You know, these in-game leaders deserve some respect. But you know what? I, I you know, we'll we'll take what we can because every other team will do the same thing, which is you know we're, we're going to have our coach really really help out with mid-round calling, calling during the game, and actually kind of assisting and sort of building up and helping sort of that transition period, so that when we come back to land events, we're sort of in the right place. Um, because that was something we haven't done this year. We've really sort of played it almost like a LAN event where, you know, the coach would only talk in timeout, timeouts and yeah. it was very uh, sort of by the book. Uh, yeah, fuck the book. We're just going to do it this year. All right. Well, it's probably a good uh, a good way to play a bit of a catch up here. Now, uh, we had some community questions come in. We're going to jump to these. Uh, Prof, do you have any that stand out? Any, any, do you have any that stands well, out? it's on my laptop right now and uh, I won't lie, I'm squinting. To see it uh, at range, we need it nice and close. Zoom in. Mic here for everybody playing at home. Oh, um, best, no, uh, it it all looks. There's someone who's written a paragraph. Um, yeah. 
uh, yeah, no, none of it really sticks out to me as as uh, anything great. They all I think we kind of things we covered did did cover everything. There was one. There's a a spicy one. Do you want the spicy question? Is it the one where I justify my salary? Yeah, did you see that one? Yeah, I, I, I saw them all. They all they all responded to my uh, to, to my, says, to my Twitter. How do you justify your paycheck <laughs> when looking at your results in the past years as a team? I guess year for you. That, yeah, that I mean year for me. I mean, first of all, I don't have to justify it to that guy. But yeah, so second, I second, fuck off. Oh, ultimately, you know, I followed the strategy that I that I was hired to follow. Um, so, you know, it didn't go as well as it could have done, but we ended the year higher than we started the year, I think. So, I mean, I say ended the year, I mean, ended that strategy at least higher than we started. Um, yeah, it's, it's not been a good year for us. That's no, there's no, uh, there's no denying that, but, you know, I think asking people to justify their salary for sports where, you know, results can go up and down is kind of naive. To say the least, you should have just um, said, Graham, that the Apex team is doing good. And uh, then, I mean, like, drop the yeah, mic. I mean, yeah, okay, sure. Yeah, the Apex team is like the best team in Europe right now. Uh, there's no international play for them, like, uh, cross regional, but yeah, the Apex team is fucking rocking it, man. They're so sick. Uh, you still have that Croatian player in the team? Yeah, yeah. We got, uh, wait, we, we had, we had, we used to have Matafe, who used yeah, to be the on Slovenian the Academy. Yeah, yeah. No, that was he, a good guy. No, he left the team at the end of last year uh, for a number of reasons, but mainly because uh, EA doesn't allow Slovenians to play competitive Apex at the top level. Amazing. Like, it's just not licensed. Just like for no reasons at all. Yeah, just, there's some very weird countries. But <laughs> he, 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 I think he ended up resolving it by uh, using his wonderful EU rights and just moved to Germany where he was then allowed to play. I think it was more of a residency thing. But uh, yeah, he, he fixed that in the end. But we, uh, we, we actually do have a Croatian player as well who we, re we replaced him with. So yeah. Um, yeah, the Apex team's doing fantastic and the FIFA team's doing well. And, you know, I wasn't just working on Counter-Strike, but, you know, before, um, before COVID hit, you know, we had expansion plans of new rosters and new teams and other, other business ventures, let's say. And, uh, obviously COVID kind of came in and, uh, slapped that in the face. So <laughs> it's not like I sit here and just, uh, just manage the CS team day in, day out for 40 hours a week. You know, there's a lot more other aspects to the, to the, to the job than just uh, CSGO performance. Obviously, you know, CSGO performance is a huge part of North, but again, you know, going forward, that's going to be very different in our, in our 2021 and, and onwards uh, strategy, because, uh, you know, we've sort of realized that the sustainability of putting all your eggs in a, in a very fickle Counter-Strike basket where, you know, ultimately a number of things could go completely tits up, you know, you might not get signed to the ESL blast flashpoint revenue share at the end of last year which you kind of hoped or would expect to uh as you know an organization of the stature that we you know believe we had at least um and that kind of really throws things up a bit you know it's all well and good having those and spending crazy monies on salaries but we have to be realistic in in what we can actually you know is it is it any good if we if we go crazy and then you know don't exist in a year or is it better if we actually sort of take it slow and try and actually build up a, a sustainable business that can then you know invest more money when when the time is right and i think ultimately that's um that's what i spent a lot of time this year trying to achieve and that's why we um that's why we invested a lot of our time very heavily in 
a number of things actually one of them being the uh, the talent development with Christo and the loan back to AGF and sort of expand, exploring you know what options do we have there I think I think that's something we want to utilize a lot more across sort of all the Nordics you know find young clubs who are who have a good setup you know AGF have a fantastic setup over there um, with an office and they have opportunities to go there and they have good coaching and you know, try and find maybe a Swedish and a Norwegian team as well that can do sort of a similar thing for us and actually kind of build out like a affiliate club, you know, sort of um, feeder team kind of system. You know, it works in football quite well where, you know, football teams have clubs in Brazil, you know, all these other random countries and they actually sort of feed their players into, into a bigger team when the time is right. Um, I think that's something that I want to sort of invest a lot more time into, you know, very successful, I think, right now with, with AGF. So that's been very good. Um, another thing that's taken a lot of my time has been um, a cooperation with our, our head sponsor, Cap Gemini. They, um, they're like an IT kind of consultancy. They develop software and all kinds of other stuff for, for clients. And we're building, a, we're building a, a development tool, as you could say, a scouting development tool. Um, you know, no, no, no offense to HLTV statistics, but they're limited on what they can tell you about a player. Like it tells you how well a player did in a certain game. You know, it tells you how many kills they got. You know, stuff like that. But it doesn't tell you, it doesn't tell you much about how the player performed on a sort of more mechanical level. So we're we're looking into things like, uh, and this is part of what how we actually found Christu in the first place was we sort of ran his demos. Uh, I asked uh, some guy from Dust2.TV. Uh, DK, sorry, uh, about uh, getting all the Elgigant and Liga demos. And I just ran all of them through this this program. And it spat me out a bunch of names that sort of on a criteria that I wanted. Yeah, this tool was very, very rudimentary still then, and it still is now. Uh, but it gave me a list of players that sort of had raw, raw mechanical ability, essentially, was what we sort of trained it to look at. And Christo is sort of the definition of that. If you If you watch his games, he's crisp clean locks you know he's <laughs> he's got some serious talent so um yeah looking into developing that so that we can really sort of push our scouting and that, that's again where this comes back to development next year it's 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 really going to be about finding these young players sort of before they actually become you know before they end up on a team like existence or Copenhagen flames or tricked or whatever it is you know it's about getting these players sort of into our ecosystem and maybe we look at an academy team in the future again i don't know um, but yeah, this, this, uh, this tool with Capgemini, I think is going to be something that, that in the future is going to really sort of change the way that we, um, we approach and maybe, maybe it gets licensed out to other teams. I don't know. Like it might be something that sure. we build and, and yeah. sell, yeah. Yeah, who knows? Um, but it's, it's something that's going to tell, tell a lot more about a player than just how many kills they got in a game or how many AWP kills they got and stuff like that. It's going to tell you, you know, kind of the, the degree delta of how close their crosshair is to a player every time they peek around a corner. You know, how how consistent is their aim? You know, do they hit with the first bullet every time? Or is it the third bullet, the fourth bullet, the fifth bullet? How many bullets does it take to kill the player? You know, these tiny little things that tell you, like, this guy is 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 really good at what he does, or this guy just gets lucky and, you know, maybe the other guy just doesn't shoot back well enough, you know? Yeah. Um, things like how well does a player perform on a certain tiny part of a map? You know, take a B-side Mirage player. You know, when, how often does a player who plays solo on that map, uh, in that position, maybe say he's 500 units in game away from his next teammate, so he's playing solo. How well does a player play that part of the map? Okay, let's compare that guy to the other 15 players that play that map, you know, from the top 15. 
okay, so we've identified the players that are really good at that part. Okay, let's watch them and see how well they do. How do they do it? What do they do? You know, sort of really kind of tune in on actually discovering trying to do where, money ball where... basically. Yeah. Not not just do money ball because uh, no, I'm I'm talking about this in a in a in a talent scouting perspective, but this is sure. also this is also about developing your current players. Like I'm not just here trying to replace my players over and over and over again. It's also about actually, you know, being like, okay, you know, we're struggling on this map. Why are we struggling on this map? Is there any is there any places where we could improve? Is there any players who are doing things differently to the best player in the world in that on that position? You know, what can they learn? You know, how do we identify? You know, a lot of players say and come out and say, you know, I watched Fallen demos and that's how I got good. You know, I remember Device quite famously saying, oh, like, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I used to watch Fallen demos over and over again. Sure. What does that, that mean, though? I suppose is what you're looking for, right? Like the the details in yeah. in that fashion. I want so, to derail you a second here, Graham. Totally. Go for it. Now, uh, this is going to be quite off topic uh, from, from the stats that you were just talking about. But there was something that you mentioned before, which has kind of piqued my interest a little bit. And I want to get through this and then take us to recent news because we've got to bang through just some other parts of the show. But th with this, as with all your experience that you've had up until this point, not only with North, but the other parts, do you think or what do we have to do in Counter-Strike from your perspective for this to be a business that works? Like not not just from an org perspective, but for TOs as well, right? Because we're not making money right now across the board. Uh, where as far as teams are spending a lot of money on players and shit, and orgs are spending a lot of money to run these events, but getting very low to to almost negligible yeah. return. So, is there a way that you see? Uh, yeah, I think there is. Uh, I mean, you know, if you look at Counter Strike right now, there 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 are two sets of people that are making money, and one of them is talent. Sorry to say. And the other one is players, right? Because that's essentially where the money goes in and it stays in their pockets. Yeah. Right? Oh, um, great man. Yeah, <laughs> sure. I, yeah, yeah. I'm just <laughs> I'm just saying that right now, you know. Um, you know, employees make money, you know, they they make a salary, they go home, they live their lives, great. Um, but the problem is that when that money goes into those pockets, it doesn't go back into the ecosystem. You know, players mm -hmm. aren't reinvesting back into the into the ecosystem. So when they're taking 95, 100% splits of prize money, it's like, yeah, Mad Lions won 500K prize money, but you know, if their contracts have 90 to 100% of the money going straight to the players' pockets, not worth fuck all to them. Like yeah. Mad, <laughs> Mad Lions is like, the money comes into their bank account, it goes straight back out again. Looks great as revenue, but they're not making money. Like it also goes straight out in in in, in expenditure. So it's it's, you know, sticker money, you know, went straight, you know, most of it got negotiated. You know, that was that was very much your time, Chad. I'm sure your yeah. contracts after that sticker money started coming in had high percentages towards the players, right? Uh, look, I was owned by a, a dodgy guy who was very dodgy. So I, I don't know what my contract said. It probably was valid, <laughs> mate. It was written by the same mm. guy that writes, ruined everyone's back then. So definitely not valid. I mean, I, I saw in a video of like flashing money out. So it must have been. Good. Yeah, they were one dollar bills, and we lived in a casino. Uh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> we we really tweaked the system there. Yeah, um, and this isn't to say that the players deserve money, but the, I think the issue right now is they're getting very good salaries. They then take a lot of the revenue that comes from playing these tournaments. So you're basically leaving the teams with what merchandise and revenue share from tournaments. But tournaments aren't really selling their broadcast rights, and they're not really making money either. So, you know, that's that's why you see these initiatives from ESL, Blast, Flashpoint to get partner teams in who they can mm. work with on long term, you know, build big brands and push forward and try and actually make this a sustainable business. You know, they don't they're not doing it to 
you know, be kind and nice and happy to each other. They're trying to make money because ultimately all of them have agreed that they're not making money. You know, maybe they are on a tiny bit. You know, I, I know that I know there are teams out there that do make money. I know that one one that claims they make money is uh, Copenhagen Flames, and I totally believe them because they've sold some a lot of players. I would argue they sold a lot of players for cheaper than they probably could have done. Mm. But you know, ultimately, if they're happy with the price, they're happy with the price. You know, only they know what their financial st- structure looks like. But you know, hats off to Copenhagen Flames because they've actually done a really, really fucking good job of you know selling individual players and then selling a whole roster, like, and then they re- replace it with another roster and they'll probably do quite well again. Um, you know, you've already tried to pimp Manx off to me once, so uh, we'll see. Yeah, uh, we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, ultimately, you know, some somewhere something has to change. I remember there was a lot of drama recently from I think it was the CSPPA when I think it was Blast changed their they reduced the prize, the prize money, money structure yeah. and changed it and changed it into uh, into revenue share back back to the teams. Right now, revenue share is very rarely, it probably it's probably not ever uh, accounted for in a player's contract and yeah, I mean that that's why, right? Is that the player the player is still gonna get their salary whether there's a big prize pool or not. But the teams aren't getting the same exposure level that they that they would usually get when they're on an offline event. So yeah, I think ultimately more money has to come in and trickle down into the teams if they want to actually be sustainable. Like it's all well and good taking a huge super huge salary from your team, but if your team doesn't exist in three years or they have to cut, you know, cut their team. You know, cut the Counter Strike team happens a lot in Dota as well. I saw the NIP today oh, just, yeah. released, just released their Dota team because ultimately, ultimately, there's no money coming in. You know, there's no financials actually coming in, even though there's a ecosystem. It doesn't, you know, that all the money is prize money. So if there's no tournaments to be won, then there's no revenue. Whereas, well, I, you know, I'm gonna take the first thing you said that yes, you think it can happen as a positive, and know that we're not yeah. doomed. And I'll keep doing this for for a couple more years. But we're gonna we're gonna move it forward. We're gonna run sure. this bumper. We're going to talk about Endpoint, and then we're going to let you go look after your little girl. So, Lucas, run the bumper, Wonderful. and let's get into it. All right, we're back. And, uh, well, well, we spoke to you, Graham, before we started the show. We said, do you want to hang around for these bits of bobs? And there was one piece of news that you said you wanted to talk about, and that was Endpoint yeah. qualifying for Pro League. So, yeah. uh, if those people have missed the Endpoint, have been on that cusp, uh, especially over the last year of trying to break into the top 30 teams, I believe it was. Recently, they did so. I think yep. they're 30th on the nose right now, and they yep. even qualified uh, for Pro League. One above us, yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say it. You did, all right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so what, just, what is it you uh, wanted to jump in here about Endpoint? I mean, I'm British, right? So these guys have actually, they've worked really fucking hard, like Mighty Max and Surreal especially. They've. I, I'm so happy for them. I mean, we, we've actually played each other like, seven times this year i think i think we're six and one against them so I, I felt kind of bad we've knocked them out of a few qualifiers and knocked them down into some lower brackets and uh i have a quite good little relationship with them but uh i'm just really happy for them because like to see some uk guys like really grinding it out and you know they've they've been stuck in like this 30 to 40 you know they lost thomas the to hell? envy they yeah. rebuilt like eh. being coming from the uk is tough like it really is we're 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 really CS challenged, I think. <laughs> That's <laughs> so, a good way to put it. We we can't we can strike challenge. Obviously, you know you have the, you have these outliers, and obviously you know Mezzi going to Cloud Nine that was super cool. And Alex, I'm, is he English? Is he French? I'm not really sure, but he's got a British flag, so we'll call him English. Yay! Counter UK Counter Strike now has like what five players back Smuya. in the top thirty. 
Yes, Muya's around. Um, if he ever gets a team where he can keep his mouth shut, then he's working great. on it. He's working, he's working on it. He's assured me he's working on it. I sent him some mouse pads and told him to shut up. And maybe better to send him some mouth gags. <laughs> oh yeah, I sent him a ball gag and see what happens. Um, yeah, he uh, yeah he's obviously one as well. But yeah, I'm I'm still British as much as Brexit pains me uh, to see how the British government has completely screwed their country. Um, I'm still British and I'm super proud of Max and Surreal for just sticking with it and sticking with it. And also to Endpoint as an organization, because I mean, Jesus, it must be really tough trying to push UK Counter-Strike. Um, so great congratulations to them for sticking with it. And, you know, Rule Britannia, whatever. I think, I think that song, <laughs> I, I think that song is deemed really racist now. So maybe, maybe I shouldn't say things like that. Oh uh, dear. Yeah. yeah that, that's um, everything in 2020, I think. Yeah. It's basically, basically the British summed up, you know, the empire just, Put all the convicts on some island down in the <laughs> south and oh dear look what came out all right well, yo you came out of it's convicts on an island oh yeah look what came yeah. out that's what he said like you he, came he, out he, he's got a british passport yeah i'm that still half I'm, I'm half half i uh, use it when, it when it's good i use it uh, i don't travel on it unless it's within europe otherwise it, in, when i go to america it's on the australian one they seem to like the australians better but what we're going to do <laughs> is uh we're going to close it down here with your section graham thank you for joining us thank you for thank coming you for here me. and telling us uh, all of the bits and bobs around north and, and what's changed uh over your stint and i hope that the project now that you've got some some young guns in the mix takes off in in what you're hoping uh <laughs> is there anything that you want to say to the viewers the people at home before we before we let you go sure i think uh i think mainly it's just uh try and have some faith in the project if you're a fan because uh i have a lot of faith in this project i've actually not been this excited about having like a new start with some new guys uh, for 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 a long long time like you know personally as well like you know i've had new jobs and new roles and new tasks and i think this next year of north could be could be super exciting with some of the stuff we've got planned not just on the counter-strike side but also um also on other aspects of the business whether it's new game titles or maybe the same game titles but with uh different players you know it's 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 going to be exciting i think and uh i just uh i just want to reassure you that we're not just sitting here like twiddling our thumbs and just uh coasting away with uh, our salaries that we apparently don't justify and you pay 60 percent uh, tax so it's all right no nah, no it's not that high it's like i think i pay like 36 or something oh okay. uh it's not That's it's not okay. super crazy uh, <laughs> I, i'm not i'm not in the high tax bracket earners uh, yeah so no, not yet. Yeah, one day, one day when I'm like the CEO of the conglomerate or something. I don't know, but uh, yeah, not right now. So uh, I take my humble paycheck and I go home and I feed my wife and my kid and uh, I go to sleep at night happy in the sense that I did the best I could. And uh, please keep the faith that things will be fine. Well, That's all I say. All right. Well, thank yeah. you very much, Graham. I'm going to let Lucas, the producer, handle the next bits and pieces, and Prof and I are just going to uh, do our absolute best to keep this one rolling. Wonderful. All right. This is where we're going to jump into, Prof. You ready? Because this is going to be like ping pong right now. You Let's have never go. seen anything like what we're about to do. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're going to talk about this Crims VAC ban situation. Prof, now I saw that you made a tweet saying you took a mini break and I took a mini break. So I feel like we both came in uh, unprepared. Now, I did a little bit of reading on this, and what it looks like is that eSports e e Portal, e e ES Portal, e whatever. eSportal. E yeah. It's like eSports Portal together. Wow. They fucking did it. They amalgamated some words. But uh, yes. it looks like that is a problem that has affected a couple of players. 
but we haven't heard anything from Valve, right? Because it was over the yeah. weekend. So are we putting any stock in this? It's just another oopsie. I know there was a lot it of that seems, happening in Southeast like Asia. The, yeah, it seems like the same thing that happened in Asia where uh, 5e play, like yes, yes, Portal is like face it just for like Swedes, not like uh, not only Swedes. I think it's just like more locally based or some something like that. So it's a platform like that. Uh, same like 5e play in Asia yeah. and their players, like a lot of like fairly prominent Asian players got uh, back banned and it turned out to be down to the anti-cheat or the client of that of that service so it got fixed and it's probably going to be the same with this probably well with with this though like I, I obviously this is the vac situation right and then they just they what they said to five player was hey you got to change some of this shit and we'll revoke it right or yeah. whatever it was like yeah I, whenever you fix what is causing the vac bands we'll undo all of the vac bands it's a classic like valve we don't want to come in and like fix five things and then tomorrow there's going to be five new ones it's like you fix your shit and then we'll do ours like yeah. all in one batch and that's it which is fair enough right like for those people valve are, are not going to fuck around with stuff that's third party anyway right like yeah. it's 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 an addition to their it's got nothing to do with their game right it's it's a, a service on top of that and they made the rules pretty clear. Now, do we think there's going to be any ramifications if if Valve don't turn this around? Do you think Crims yeah. wins their next match with Fnatic? Yeah, that's that's the only thing. But I I guess he can play tomorrow, on a different account well, because he? he's playing tomorrow. Yeah. So I guess it's not be... a Valve's a Valve major, right? So I guess yeah. he can. Okay, so he'll be fine. It's just like it's up to the admins, I guess, to the tournament organizer. But I think they'll find a solution because it's very likely that it's not an actual back band because other players were also banned playing the same thing, right? I want to expand a bit here because I know that some players recently uh, have been having issues with their accounts, like having accounts getting like hacked yeah. uh, and yeah. things being taken and shit. What do you, do? You, have you heard much about what's been going on with that stuff? Uh, like as a person that has like five skins worth like seven euros i really don't really have a lot of i'm not really invested into like account security sure. but people are just fishing out information through like dubious things like of course you you hack one guy that has like doesn't have two-factor authorization or whatever get on get someone that's a friend of someone send them something get his account information through that it's it's shit that happens unfortunately i did hear that like adding the like the family security or sharing thing adds another layer of security even though it's just like a four digit or six digit pin which can be also brute forced so i don't know right. how much of that actually helps but it's just another step in the in the process that can help you um not lose your like ten thousand dollar inventory or some shit i also like talking about skins I obviously won the bet about Zipnix. You sent me the money, and I was yeah, like, yeah, "I have a yeah. hundred euros. I probably can buy like some pretty decent knife." The economy. I can't. I actually can't. Yeah. They all look either they look like absolute shit or they're like five hundred euros. I'm like, I'm absolutely shocked. All of this shit costs so much still. Yeah, I think it's gone up in recent times. Actually, yeah. I think like, the skin the skins have definitely gone up in in recent. But uh, let's do this: free VSM, free swag, free crimps. All right, that's that topic done and free dusted. Uh, yeah, for, well, he's doing the old Valorant now down ah, under. I heard it's not going very well. Whoever's running the Valorant down there is uh, not doing a good job. He's not running. He's not running it. Yeah, well, text is not. Whoever the fuck is, I keep reading yeah. these tweets because I still follow some people back from Australia and shit pops up and they're like unhappy with brackets and groups and apparently it's all bullshit. Anyway. Uh, this isn't the the Valorant show. This is the Counter Strike show, and uh, we need to talk about Sprout 
they pulled out a DreamHack Masters. Now they've been replaced by Cloud9, was it? Or no, Namiga. Yeah. It was Namiga. Now, this isn't that interesting, but apparently they also just lost the Pro League qualification. Yeah, it's like the Not so proud to be Sprout today. If you had to hedge, you reckon they're dead? There was also some talk that they want to go back to full German. Wasn't that a rumor recently circulating? I think we did hear something like that, yeah. I don't know what's going on there. Well, so they have Snatchy and Diha who are Polish. Now, to be fair, this team has probably performed better than what I think most people would yeah. have thought, right? When you and Diha is also probably their best player, like at least statistically, probably is yeah. by far. So just like going back to full German doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, it's it's a weird one. I don't think look to to with no disrespect here, I, it's no loss to not have them in the Dreamhack event, but it's also no gain to have an Amiga. Um, but didn't they cite illness? Yeah, I was something tweet? about that. So people started speculating that it's like they have Corona, even though like who fucking cares if they have Corona or not? Like, why is this a difference maker to anyone? Like, what's the difference? If if two players are out with a flu or like a I don't know what it's, it's like why is this now actually important? It's not that I don't feel like it is. Yeah. Uh, unless they are like EG and they can't travel because of it. That they don't that need to travel, thing. right? They yeah. shouldn't have to be going anywhere at the moment. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, I guess that one's covered. We yeah, also got like Liquid that. replacing EG for the yes. IM Global Challenge. So that's like the most recent news. Uh, yeah. Seems like EG isn't coming at all back to back to Europe, which sucks. We did also actually have that talk, if you remember, like two yeah. weeks ago, uh, speculating if they should stay or go. They definitely uh, so... should have stayed, man. If Even if they didn't play Beijing back in the States, they would have qualified on world ranking. Yeah. Like, it doesn't make and any sense that they anyway. went home. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. Like, it, it so, seemed like such a terrible decision to go home. But I tried to do some thinking about this because... Uh, and you guys all know that I fucking stalk players' Instagrams and shit, and like I know what's going on in their lives. Like, there's probably some of these players have, I don't want to say families, because most people have a fucking family, established relationships and stuff that they don't want to be away from for extended periods of time. But, and with COVID, of like if you get trapped overseas, it could definitely happen um, that they would be stranded away from their significant others. And I'm sure it's conflicting in the other way. I'm sure there's some players who want to be overseas competing at the highest level. I'm sure Cirque wants to be back on European soil. It's one of these situations where EG made the wrong call by going home. They should like, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever from any standpoint, furious skip Beijing. So they could have done the same. And now they're the ones who are going to be struggling here because, um, they look, I'm going to be, uh, very frank with everybody next year if you want to compete in tier one counter-strike you will have to be based in europe there's no question about it north american counter-strike look liquid are doing all right at the moment right but i'm sure that they would want to refine over in europe the same is what fury want to do same as what mibr are doing right now that's the big names the only other big name is eg right so if you want to play tier one counter-strike in 2020 you got to be in europe i don't think there's any way around it like what do you think do you... Liquid is just going to stick around in their, like, uh, Netherlands? Is Netherlands Utrecht? Yeah. Where I mean, they are now? They might go home for Christmas, right? But I reckon they'll be back here early next year. Like, you'd have to be. I, I, it, that facility they have is two and a half hours away from Cologne, right? So if ESL run events here in Cologne, they could drive. Um, in terms of being in, in the Netherlands, pretty easy to get 
anywhere you need to be. I think for them to go to a European country like the Netherlands, they because it's not like Serbia where everybody else has gone, right, where you can just get in. I think in the, to, for them to go, like Liquid would have had to pull some massive strings, right? So this is something that they're probably going to want to spend a lot of time at. And that facility, I don't know if you've seen it, they all have their own apartments that look like the apartment I'm staying in right now that I know that ESL are paying out the ass for, right? Like they have really good setups there. So I, fuck yeah, why not? Who else is on that list? We should probably bring it up for everybody at home. Uh, I am uh, Global Challenge. That's what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, Vitality, Heroic, Navi, Astralis, Furia, Complexity, Liquid, Chaos. Chaos is the odd one out. I didn't and... actually think they'd be able to make it. I'm surprised that they're coming. Yeah. Seems like they are. But no, I don't know anything. Nothing more to, to add on to that. I guess that's going to be their kind of last hurrah, at least with the org. I don't know if the what is happening with them with the rumors going around about chaos just like dropping the team so yeah amazing uh amazing like atmosphere to go into your like biggest event ever in your career it's like you guys are playing for your life though right like yeah, if maybe, they play maybe well, that can work like maybe chaos stays around or maybe they get a better orc like fpx is still looking for a team right they haven't signed anybody yet that wouldn't be a bad home for those guys. They're up and coming. They're the next generation of North American players, especially Zephyr and Leaf. Like, give it a fucking crack. Anyway, let's keep it going. We got uh, 12 minutes left on our regulation time, and we have a bunch of topics. So um, let's talk about the Blast Showdown. Now, how much of this did you see, Prof? Because I saw bits and bobs. I didn't see all of it. Uh, Similarly, yeah. Caught like the early, early games, looked at some of the stats and stuff like that. So, What's your biggest standouts from this? Like, I think just like Liquid and Fury, like Liquid didn't make it through, but they Fury, looked all right, though. I was, I yeah. was kind of, I was surprised the Liquid played that well, considering how shit they looked in North America. Fury are recovering and Mouse Ports also, just like out of a sudden now they're looking like super solid when they were looking not super solid in the past. So, yeah, who else did we have? Uh, Complexity losing to Cloud9, though. Like, that's a that's an upset I don't think any of us would have been expecting. I did watch that one. Um, but what did you make of the Cloud9 rejuvenation? The Cloud9 versus the, the Colossus? Versus juggernaut. the Juggernaut. I think that as a rivalry could be so sick, like, obviously, because of what they've built themselves up as and the, the branding and all that. Um, but in terms of that series, like, I, I don't know where it all went wrong. Um I think if you look at the stats, it looked like JKS had like a really fucking hard game of it. And I went back and I was watching it and it, it felt like, I think it was Mirage. I have to make sure I'm right here, but it felt like they, not that they were avoiding him. It's just that he wasn't getting a lot of action. So he was constantly rotating in on that CT side. Let's see, let's see if I'm, yeah, they, yeah. So, um, it, his, his stats don't look great from that, but I, yeah, when I watched it, it wasn't one of those games where it was like, oh, he went eight and 15 and he actually had, played like he went eight and 15 it's like he was you know not in a position not set up to go huge or anything but for them to lose dust two after being up i think it was 13 to i forget what the scoreline was but it felt 14 to 10 i think is the scoreline here that they had they're up 13 to 7 at one point and they lost that game like it's good signs for cloud nine but you can see how rocky they are right like right now they're losing to to gambit they lost yeah, the first map yeah, it's super close. Gambit actually 13-12 up at the moment. 
but the potential's been the potential's been seen, right? So like that's a that's a positive right there. Floppy also had like some some fucking good matches from what I saw. He's just like one eighty uh, the the early early debut, so that's good. Like as we said, obviously he only played four maps in Flashpoint, and they got eliminated against some yeah. good teams. Yeah, but still, it's not not a good like first indicator. So seeing him turn it around, that's nice. I think that the Vertigo game was against uh, NIP was where he had a really big show. Oh, yeah, he was just, yeah, but yeah. like I was watching his aim, right? And it wasn't like he was just one tapping everybody. It's like he was getting these multi kills, but a lot of them were like a couple of kill body shots and shit. I was like, what the fuck is going on here? Is that like, everybody nervous or something? But it do- I guess it doesn't matter. Um, who else? Who else kind of surprised me? Oh, oh, Liquid from the twelve-three scoreline down against um, Mad Lions. Was that yeah, one? what the fuck was that about? Like, I know Mad Lions are still a new team, but I, there's no way I thought they were going to win that game. I was like, all right, I'm turning it off. And then I, I, I just somehow stayed glued to the TV, and they pulled it back. I was like, this is not what I was expecting from Liquid, right? Like, I, I wasn't expecting a lot, but to have that like comeback, that I don't know if that says more about Mad Lions or if it says more about Liquid. But yeah, I, I, mean, I think it says something about Liquid. Like this is a pr- this was a pretty big event for them. Just like needing to go deep because they don't have a lot to play here. If they just come and they lose the first match, that's never like a great look. So them actually turning it around and getting to like the third, fourth place, like that's uh, pretty big. Some other little ones here. I think Endpoint taking a map off Heroic is good. I think Heroic are pretty burnt out though. If I'm if I'm gonna be real. The complexity result, I still don't know what to make of that. Uh, VP Spirit was actually a pretty decent series. I Yeah, uh, that was also pretty good. Isserus looked really good on Overpass vs. Fury. I watched that one. I was super confused as to what the fuck was happening. Did you see them win a Glock round? Like oh, that was four. sick. That was and, sick. Like, not lose a player or some shit. It was uh, that was amazing. I think that if people haven't seen that, I'm sure you can find it somewhere on Reddit. But it was such a cool scenario how they like slipped into B. They went all the way up uh, through the lower tunnels, came up behind them, spotted both players on A, and you could like I guess they're sitting there counting like three, two, one, shoot, and everybody they got their. I was fucking very impressed with a round like that. That was really cool. Um, we got anything else for Blast Showdown? I guess we I don't have... think so. Like we'll we also had the, the flash. We had some. Did we have flashpoints? No, this was all that that happened last last week. Flashpoint was... started today. It started yes. uh, with the uh, Mad Lions VP game, the VP one. Uh, we had three matches simultaneously. So let's jump to the upcoming events because we may as well talk about what's on right now. Uh, all right. So the VP, uh, not the VP, the flashpoint bracket. Let me grab that for everybody there's another series going on right now it's currently uh big versus envy and envy even won a map lucas i'm putting this in the chat can you pop this up for everybody just the playoffs bracket um i'm gonna i'm gonna keep running everyone through this so mad lions versus vp uh vp one two one big versus envy's live now it's tied up six six on the lower half of the bracket it's fanatic dignitas that's tomorrow at three and then tuesday as well at six og mibr Who's the front runner here, Prof? The fact we have Big and VP on the same side of the bracket, that kind of sucks a bit. Yeah, it has to be Big still for me. Yeah. Uh, big OG, like from, from the get-go, where I think the two teams that I picked, uh, OG didn't make the slip up in the in the first game, but they recovered. Was That that was the Genji game that they got kind of stomped on. Uh, uh, but they made it through. So those two teams and Virtus Pro made made a comeback against Mad Lions. They're like kind of the third, th- third team for me uh envy actually super shocked that they got a map off of big legia making his uh 
make his return payback time for the for the oh for yeah the all that storyline isn't it I, I looked at the stats i was like oh like yeah let, let's see if he is destroying him he's not of course i mean not really expected to do that anyway so uh who else we got on the docket here so so i think like uh, we need to see something from Fnatic. like let's be honest Fnatic now they have to be finding themselves in in the deep end in terms of either they have to start winning or maybe something has to change because that's like a championship organization right like how often can they continue with this type of form i know it's, it hasn't been terrible but it hasn't been trophy winning right they epl season 11 was the last thing they looked really good at yeah I don't, I don't actually they also had i think that i am the phase one that i am new york that they made playoffs or something but other, other than that yeah it's been completely quiet from fanatic and it also doesn't don't really see a clear way with nip picking up all of the like the new players mm. um where Kriaz they, is gone now lecro is yeah. gone don't, don't don't really even see where where to go and that's like just sweden in a nutshell kind of their their lower tier is is kind of empty uh at this moment yeah i, I just what... oh, i just filtered their stats last three months uh top 20 teams they played 47 maps they've only won 22 lost 25 right so it's obviously against the big the big teams but it, it's it's just hard right to to see how they fix it like you're saying there's no their players are in such flux like jw and flusher they can be amazing but i'd say they're they're very inconsistent and when we see them it's jw flusher and golden are all in red in terms of ratings it's just crimson brolin at the top there i don't know if there's a, like you say i guess it's a firepower issue because it's not the approach to the oh maybe it is i don't know if it's the approach to the game i don't know i like it is a similar pattern to like to the golden like winning a couple of tournaments and then Kind of falling off but at the same time like it's not like any player individual like you can single out one player and say ah oh, this guy's trash obviously needs to be replaced like even golden has some good individual maps as the in-game leader from time to time jw as well like everyone literally on the team has moments or maps that are pretty good so i don't even know what you would change even if you if you had like the whole nip roster for free like yeah i, I don't know who you pick and what, what you what you would do right it's such a know. weird team like that i guess it, it's not it doesn't have a clear uh not direction it doesn't have a there's no there's no clear solutions for the way that they approach the game or anything i guess that's just the way fanatic will be right maybe when we get back to land they're just giants on land again and, and everything goes back to normal uh gambit did just win 2-0 over cloud 9 yeah. 16 14 so cloud cap. 9 show promise uh our like little sub yeah subtitle. but look like i think i think it's been glimmers right like it, it's difficult to look at attack had a good series floppy i think was zero and ten at one point in that series woxic was had terrible stats on vertigo i think he had four kills so i, I it, I think they're still having to find their feet, right? Like they're they're doing all these officials now. They've actually been lucky to get invited to Blast Showdown and now this DreamHack event, so that they can kind of flush out some of these things. But it's just the name value that we're expecting more from. That's the only reason, right? Like if we're being honest with a team that's just been formed like this. Oh, we spoke about this before. So the Henry uh, hyping things up as well as why there's probably a bit more community expectation. Uh, Alex did kind of play it down in the last interview that we had. I think that's kind of the direction that they want to take it. Just just a bit. Just play it down a sure. bit. 
Um, what else we got here? Uh, I guess we can quickly jump into the DreamHack stuff. So DreamHack uh, Masters Winter has started today as well. And that's why it's going to be a bit hard, guys. Uh, well, that's why it was a bit hard to pick a showtime and stuff for today. Uh, Lucas, I'm going to throw you this one. Bring this one up for the viewers and we'll, we'll close it down in a second. We've powered through this. Um, there's the two groups here. So this is eight teams, uh, double elimination bracket. Uh, I think it's the same format as what we had just run for Beijing. Uh, Similar to like the old old lands, ESL lands anyway. Yeah. Same format, right? Is it like 16? Oh, no, this is eight teams advancing. Uh, in per group, right? So yeah. yeah. So uh, the get games today was catch everybody up. Heroic versus Contact. That was a two zero for Heroic. Spirit beat Phase two zero. Um, so that's Heroic Spirit in the upper bracket semi. Whoever wins that one goes straight through the playoffs. That's tomorrow. Complexity enters live now. Complexity won the first map. Gambit Cloud Nine just finished. So Complexity or Ents play. Whoever wins that plays Gambit, uh, which means the lower bracket for Group A is Contact Phase and Cloud Nine versus uh, either Complexity or Ents. I think the Two key things to take away here is like obviously God sent upset Astralis oh, yes. with Emmy and uh, Liquid lost to Mouseport. So we have Astralis yeah. Liquid elimination match. <laughs> this is what you said before the show, which oh, is pretty, pretty exciting. Uh, we also have FaZe just like not being good, uh, not really having a great time, which is expected, but also not what people on Twitter have been t- telling me all the time because apparently they're amazing without Nico. Um, <laughs> But yeah, just just I think this Astralis Liquid one is gonna be a banger. This is uh, pretty rough for Liquid to to meet Astralis so early. Yeah, I, I it's a car crash, right? But at least we get a little taste of how things used to be in 2019. Uh, so they're they're happy with that. Uh, <laughs> um, I think this sucks for Moses as well. Like his debuts with the team in Europe is pretty fucking rough. Like it's not it's it's not an easy way to go about things obviously i got a soft spot for him there but let's quickly do this so now that we've already seen these opening matches uh in group a who do we think is going to be the four teams going through because it's the four we're not doing the 16 playoff we're doing the eight team uh playoff bracket i feel like heroic have to win surely Heroic complexity fuck it gets grim down there in the lower bracket prof Right, complexity. Do, do we see like Gambit making their continuation of their like run? They just won the DreamHack small yeah, event over Spirit. I think so. so maybe we put in a Gambit over there, and then what is what's going on over here? And maybe Spirit even as a yeah. second team. CIS, I I'm going to agree with those. I think that out of the teams who are here, they're probably the ones with the most consistency that you would back. Where like anybody could win these games. I feel like the field outside of the top four teams is really open for me because i i was looking at it i think it's quite clearly heroic complexity g2 astralis now astralis have lost um so that's kind of fucked it all but it's i if they make it to the playoffs it's still going to remain those teams um uh, yeah what's over godsend godsend's mossports are one of those teams are making playoffs instantly we also have an interesting storyline i mean it's not yet but it might be we don't know what's happening with g2 with uh, nico Amanek. Nico Amonix oh. So we are kind of wait wait and see to see who G2 use in this uh in this match. Obviously, like on HLTV it says Jax because Jax played the last game yeah. and we don't have any official confirmation. So until it is confirmed, it's just gonna stay like that. 
But wasn't it that there was a room? Well, not a rumor. I think I saw on Reddit that somebody said that Amanek was practicing with them. Like they saw someone saw it on Discord. Or I, I look, I'm I'm not going to pretend like I fucking read it. I just saw the headline. Um, but I think it was saying that G two were practicing with Amanek. Now it would make sense anyway that they're flip flopping, would... right? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, we'll see if any like final decisions are made anytime soon. Yeah. Well. Yeah, here we go. Amanek practicing with G2 squad on Discord. Jax does not seem to be participating. I put it in chat for everybody at home. Uh, you can have a little bit of read of, of people on the Googles. Um, but yeah, fuck it. Let's let's close it down. We've done the time. There wasn't a huge amount of news to talk about. Uh, we heard from Graham about North, and apparently Strike is dead. So I guess that was it. Now, I think we have the availability to do a show next Monday. Uh, and Lucas can do eight o'clock at night again, if I remember rightly. Does that sound right to everybody? Fine, fine with me. We have uh, one interested guest, one big name that we mentioned that I mentioned to you last week. If you remember, I can't say yet because we don't have it confirmed. It's simple, uh, isn't it? <laughs> Maybe he also plays up. Maybe it's not simple. Ah, fuck. All right, uh, we, we need to get also simple. Also has a tattoo on his hand. Oh, maybe people can find out if someone finds out, tag me and message me on Twitter. I'll be interested if you if you guess who it is. We'll see if uh, we can get him uh, next week, hopefully. OK, all right. Well, that's exciting. I don't even know who it is, so I'm excited to hear who this is. But uh, yeah, next week we'll be back probably same time. You guys will see the details. Uh, if you want to get the audio options, you guys know where to go. Anchor.fm slash HLTV. Uh, we've also there's no rerun. We don't need to rerun. We're at the normal time. Um, yeah, so. Thank you guys for joining us again. I'm Ooh. hearing you're streaming after this. I'm live right now. Oh. Uh, so it's like they're looking at Counter-Strike 1.6 background. So I've told Lucas that he has to host me or he's going to get fired. So it's it's pretty simple. I'm going to go play some Danger Zone and keep talking shit. That's, That's about amazing. it. Yeah. So thank you guys once again. And uh, we will see you next time. It's been HLTV Confirmed. Bye.